Like, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. Cold open. That's fucking, that's fucking Cold awesome. Open. That's fucking awesome. That's like painters are like, oh, how'd you paint that? Oh, I shoved a bunch of paint up my asshole when I fucking Dude. pooped it onto the paint. Like, I like that. Fuck yeah. Do you. <laughs> Hey guys and gals, welcome to Dude Check This Out, a music podcast where normally we bring in a guest and we talk about them and their history and all sorts of stuff. But today we have a special episode where we've gotten the members of Hambone Relay, Mark Brown, Jordan August, and Luke Farrakhan and myself, Rob Tate, to talk about our favorites from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even maybe the 90s and 2000s, but we haven't gotten there yet. What? What? But we're doing this leading up to the new year. We figure what, what, what could be fun is bringing our top 10 lists out. And maybe we'll have some guests. Top ten list will pop in there. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> First of all, I want to say it's pretty awesome that all four of us are in the room together at once. So what we're gonna do is what we're gonna do is we're gonna do a round robin top ten, starting with number ten. We'll go around and do everybody's number ten. Oh, so this has to be in order. Oh yeah. Oh totally. Okay. Oh, mine's it, not. In order. I did it by year. Oh shit. <laughs> I just need like, a second. Which one we like best? I just need yeah, a second. yeah. Oh, see, see, I this can't was, do that. So see, this was my problem today. I had a giant list of songs. You can see by my, my yellow legal pad here. I was like, I have to make these out of like top ten. I had to cut some that actually broke my heart. But you can just That's you can just name part. one. You can just pick. Just I think like, I think I got well. You probably have a good idea. Well, here, what, what like what your favorite album of the sixties is versus? Are we starting like, at number one or number? We'll 10? start at ten and okay. we'll work down to one. And what 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 we'll do is we'll stop. At six, and I've, I've pulled up a couple of top ten lists from like Rolling Stone, um, Pitchfork, and Billboard, and we'll read those and we'll see if how our lists compare. You know. All right. Well, would you like to start with your number ten? Should Mark I do Brown? mine first? Yeah, go for it. All right, cool. So, oh, and and the criteria is it just has to be an album that was recorded between 1960 and 69 and was available to the public in those years. So it can't be like. The BBC sessions that was released in the 90s, but was recorded in 66. Right. Whatever, right. Yeah. My big thing was like, I wanted to do a record that came, that was released this year, but was recorded and happened in 69. That doesn't fit the criteria. I know. <laughs> well, well, you can blame me because I didn't tell you guys that till today. So, but we had like, you know, like kind of talked about it right. when we it's, were like in the truck or something it, like that. It, it's whatever, dude. It's cool. As long as you got a list, we're good. We got we got some, first of all, we got some whiskey in front of us. We got some burr. We're good to go. We also got some hot sauce, which is cool. Which we're going to try. So, all right. We'll finger it. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, good number 10. We'll finger it. We'll finger it. All right, so I'll, I guess I'll start. My number 10 is Zeppelin 1 from Ooh. 1969. Ooh. Okay. All right, so I got pulled up on my screen. Oh here. shit! <laughs> I should I should type so, this too. The record I, is classy. I just give you let me just give you a little bit of re, uh, reason why I think that should be that's my number ten. And it was hard because I almost ha- interchanged it with Zeppelin two, which might yeah. appear somewhere also on my list. But um, because so I had the, my dad's vinyl growing up. I played the shit out of it. I don't even think you can play it anymore. It's it's like scratched and scuffed to hell. But like. Days of Confused, How Many More Times. How Many More Times, honestly, was like one of my favorite tunes of all time. 
I used to play the shit out of that. Communication breakdown. No joke. My dad would mow the lawn with me on his lap. I was like five years old or whatever. Yeah. Right? And he would sing Communication Breakdown to me and we'd yell, oh, suck at the top of our lungs. And my mom would get really <laughs> mad at us. Did you know the song before that or the- like you, you heard it later. What do you mean? Like you knew the song after he sung that to you? He was like, oh, this is what... Yeah, he, I, I, I had no idea. What, <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was five. You know what I mean? But, but uh, so yeah. So definitely. And also the fact that the heavy blues influence, that's where I come from. So that's like, that's my shit. If you know what I mean. It's no. true. Rob no has no clue. idea. No fucking clue. Well, I'll tell you what my number 10 is. Let's my number 10 is CCR's Willie and the Boys. Strictly Ooh. because... When my dad was, um, we would have these family reunions, and he would play CCR, and we used to play Down on the Corner and like Fortunate Son every now and again. But like, you know what else is on that record? Midnight Special. Hell yeah! Dude. What year did that come out? Sixty nine. Nineteen sixty nine. Made just made the cut though. Um, but that's like my no, that's my number ten though. I love CCR. I wish they you know get more credit today than you know what they get. You know, I'm a big Cosmos Factory fan actually. You know, you know that record? No. Cosmos Factory, you know that album? Mm-hmm. It's got a. Uh, I got you. That's got, CCR. Uh, I can't even think of the songs that are on it. <laughs> great, great, <laughs> great album. I love that yeah, album. Those yeah, any of the songs really, on really, really good. <laughs> That's Credence. That's Credence. No, I don't. Not, it's not on here. Well, give All me right. a second. We'll pull that up. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Mark here. This is the first of probably many cut-ins and edits for these top ten episodes. Um, I felt like such a jackass. I mentioned the album Cosmos Factory uh, by CCR, and I couldn't remember any of the songs on it. So uh, I looked it up, and uh, it's actually a a classic record. It's got uh, Before You Accuse Me, Traveling Band, Looking Out My Back Door, Run Through the Jungle, Up Around the Bend, uh, Who'll Stop the Rain, I Heard It Through the Grapevine, Long As I Can See the Light. So it's a classic record. Um, it actually was recorded in 69 and 70 and didn't come out until 1970, so it wouldn't have been uh, available for this episode. And back to the fellas. Anyway, Jordan, what's your number 10? My number 10 is Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. That's a oh, live yeah, record. I didn't think that. That's a great one. It's a good one. And I think... Did he have a band on that, on he that did. album? Yeah, he had his normal little four-piece thing. Oh, okay. And so, like... When I was thinking about top 10 from a decade, like I kind of had to take myself out of the equation. Like, oh, what do I like? You know, because that's like subjective. You sure. know, what are the top 10 records? And I also realized, and I also, I went through and I made like, I did the 60s, I did the 70s, I did the 80s. Like I was like trying to do a lot. I did their homework. I did. I like, I <laughs> overachieved, but like it made me come back to the sixties and like rethink some stuff too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I ended up like changing out some stuff and putting them as like runner ups or like I chose this one because of this, mm-hmm. but Johnny cash was such a big deal in the sixties. I don't think I really realized that for me, I guess like I thought he was like the seventies just yeah. because he was still around for so long. Same thing with sure. Dylan. Yeah, you know, there's just like certain artists that last forever, and I didn't realize like when they were really kind of like doing their thing. So my number ten, Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison, 1968. Nice. I didn't really come to Johnny Cash till like later too. Like I yeah, didn't really same. know. Him. I knew I knew a boy named Sue. That's really all I knew for for the longest time. You know what I mean, um, and then my dad had that record on vinyl actually, mm-hmm. by Folsom Prison, and yeah. it like turned me on to it big time. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. But 
So did you use the approach like what you think the top ten seminal records of the sixties were? Period, from like an objective standpoint, or I your mean, favorite? Yeah. Like, like not my favorite. No, like most impactful. There's to one music record and that I picked music. that is definitely my favorite over what I think probably should have been. Oh, okay. Um, and I'll explain to that one. Well, let's well, let's pause for one second approach. before we do Luke's t- number ten. Let's just let's just clarify because I think we all kind of did this a little differently. So I did like the top ten records that. We're top, or top ten to me, yeah. So, so that either influenced me in some way, or th- there there was some popularity in it this as far is, as like I records. Same, I think were the best records of that era for sure. I did the you same know? thing, but I think like you know the, the Talking Heads would have been had four records, you mm-hmm. know, or the Beatles would have had five records sure, for right. the sixties. You know, right. I have to be like, well, okay, do that. Mm-hmm. So. I was objective, mm-hmm. but it's still like I think my musical taste and my inspiration show sure. in the list for sure. Cool, mm-hmm. yeah. I was much more selfish in my choosing. Okay. Well, my selfish top five is, is so selfish. Yeah, go on, brother. Yeah, mine's kind of just the impact it had on me, and I guess how I came up listening to music and uh, my journey as a guitar player. So the number ten is Hoodoo Man Blues. Junior Wells. Oh, hell yeah, dude. And it's uh, Junior Wells' harmonica player and singer, and he had Buddy Guy uh, playing guitar. What tunes are, what, what tunes are on that record? Uh, Snatch It Back and Hold It, Good Morning Little School Girl. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Is Mama on there? Yeah, I think Fuck so. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Cream did that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of... That's where I first heard that song, was Cream's version, yeah? Yeah. When I first started playing, it was... And I still love blue stuff, obviously. But a lot of the guys like Cream, and when I'd go out and see people play live and stuff, they were playing all these tunes, and then I would go back and check out kind of where they came from. And this is definitely like a real early uh, Chicago, like electric blues thing that yeah. I kind of gravitated towards. And Buddy Guy's playing is like so funky and cool, and definitely a large part of how I started. And all these tunes are like uh, staples. In that scene, they became like the modern traditional blues songs. Yeah. They've yeah. been covered by like everybody. By everybody. Yeah. yeah. And they got Elmer James tunes on here, even a Kenny Burrell tune, Chitlin's Con Carne. Mm-hmm. That's cool. yeah. Yeah. They did that. What year, what year was covered that? Covered by Hambone Relay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. This was. Uh, all right, 65. And it's interesting, like, this was the 60s kind of had a resurgence of blues and a lot of the old Delta guys and old folk guys kind of had a resurgence. And this was, I guess, an example of that. Mm-hmm. Coming to coming together, so that's my number ten. Sweet, let's go to number nine. <laughs> number nine. yes, number nine, and mine is uh, the Rolling Stones' "Let It Bleed." Mm. Actually, that's a good one. So, and and really, honestly, there are three songs on that record that I played the shit. I also had that on my. I had my dad's copy of that on vinyl when I was a kid. And "Give Me Shelter," uh, "Let It Bleed," and you can't always get what you want are like pivotal songs, like. Huge classic rock songs. You hear them on the radio a lot. But not only that, they're great songs. The way that album was recorded, I think, is incredible. It's like super raw. There's a lot of mistakes, even. You know I feel like I mean? all the Stones recordings were like that. Yeah, it's like it's it's not... Um, there's actually a certain uh, Hambone Relay guitar player who's not with us tonight who hates the Rolling Stones for that reason. You too? I also can't oh. stand the Rolling Stones. I love the Stones. I'll, I'll, I'll call him out. Him. Devin Coleman also. <laughs> he's, he's the same way. He hates the Stones because he's like their albums just sound so like they're rehearsing. Like it's like a practice. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, I never got into them and I still like 
can't get into them because I just I don't get it. Okay. And like it's not to say that I don't like certain Rolling Stone songs that mm-hmm. are like such good sing alongs or like really good feel music or something. I just don't get why they were ever and are so popular. The they songs are, are catchy. They yeah. aren't exactly the who's who of musicians, but but they make they write the the the, the licks and the songs that people remember. For sure, that's why the Beatles were so huge. You know, some people hate them, some people love them, but that's why people love them. It's for the songs. It's not for the musicians. I, so and much, I, I agree with you. I think think though when you compare the music, though, like the Beatles were far better musicians than anyone in the Rolling Stones, in my opinion. I think I don't know. I think players and creatively, yeah, exactly. Like I agree. Yeah. But but there's something to be said about like something as simple as like the the soup the superstition the, uh, the satisfaction riff you know it's so simple no I I can't I'm, I can't disagree you know, with any so of it simple, you know and that's but it's like, so awesome I have this you know? argument yeah. with everyone like mm-hmm. anyone who loves music or you know just as a fan a, a listener or someone who is a a player right like I can't believe you don't like listen to the Rolling Stones like no I I own every single one of their vinyl sure it's yeah. for like when you guys come over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. so it's like, oh, oh yeah, I but, love it. Though. But talking about the Stones, you know, like, you know that album Exile on Main Street? Yeah, mm-hmm. like that one is almost the messiest of them all. But I got the DVD of behind the scenes of how they make the record, and that's why I think I love the record more than I actually like the record. And maybe that's what I'm missing out on. Is maybe it's that behind the scenes thing? Like, well, you you love fish. The fact you know right. like Fish's entire catalog, well, history and catalog is like, oh, this is why I like this this era, and this era is because why I like this. Right. I think that's why I have a be- more of an appreciation. For the Stones is because they have the background behind the albums. What about which, ha- what about how they made it? Made you like it? Oh, no. they, well, they did it in just like a house. They were exiled from France because of taxes, and they were in France, and or no, it was the U.S. But they were in France, France, <laughs> but they were in France in this house, and they were recording for just months and months and months, mm-hmm. and they're like drinking, getting stoned, partying, and like. They would be practicing a song, and then all of a sudden, everything would come together right at the last second, and they would record a song, even if it wasn't the Players and the Stones. That song, Happy? Because mm-hmm. I'm happy. <laughs> Half the band isn't the Stones. Everyone else was drunk somewhere. Really? Yeah. If you look at the liner notes, half the band isn't actually the Stones. Are you serious? That's mm-hmm. At least they got credit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> because one of, one of the bands in my later in this list... Oh, yeah. Uh, Levon Helm yeah. didn't get credit for anything mm. on their debut album, and he wrote two thirds of the album. Right, yeah. it was all Robbie. Robert, right? yeah, he got everything. Yeah. And but, that was that was still that's like still an issue to this day. Speaking of messy playing but good songs, my number nine oh, yeah. is oh yeah we are we have a thing to the do meters here. the meters oh good oh, right. I, totally I almost put that, that on there well, I, didn't, I didn't put it well, on but. to Jordan's what he was saying it was like. Do you go top 10 or do you go with your top 10? And I was right. actually thinking about, since I've joined Hambone Relay and I've learned about like organ bands and jam bands, the meters have been in, in really integral for how I've grown as a player, especially like here in Zigaboo. As a drummer. Like, I think like that's like the meters, like that, the rhythm. Well, yeah, because you think like Sissy Strut, like, oh, that's easy. And then you listen to the ghost notes of Zigaboo, you're like, wait a minute. This yeah. isn't right. And then you like, and then you're just sitting there. Behind your drum kit, like this is backwards. And, yeah, yeah. I, the, like when I, I was a drummer before, I was a guitar player, and I remember trying to learn Sissy Strut, and the way I heard it in my head, you know, like was like this muscle memory before I ever tried to play it. Right. But then when you try to play it, it's almost like you're purposefully messing it up. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels to kind of like yeah. play that beat. But for me, 
like not listening too intently to the drums, maybe to a fault though. I never thought it sounded strange or odd. It just like they had a way of right. meshing everything where it just sounded right to me and the vibe and the yeah. spirit that's of the, the thing, thing was cool. Magical. Yeah, and I guess that's but yeah, when you dig in deeper, there's a lot of like, stuff what going the on. What the fuck is going on? I read the uh, I read the Neville Brothers autobiography and Art says something that's kinda crazy. He's like I never knew where the one was. <laughs> I never understood. People would be like, oh, man, you're so syncopated. I never understood what syncopation meant. <laughs> I just put the notes where they, they, I, I felt they should go. You know what I mean? And if you listen yeah. to Art's playing, if you listen to all of them playing together, it's kind of chaotic. It is, but no, it's, for sure. There's a vibe to it. Yeah, but it's yeah. cool. You know what oh, I mean? yeah, totally. It's almost like no one's ever playing over one another. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. There's so many weird gaps in every person's like rhythmic moments. Yeah. It was like a dr- go ahead. Everyone just kind of splashes out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, it comes off as like messy, but it's like kind of really badass. Fucking right in the pocket. But, <laughs> but you know, to put give them more credit, you know, every song in that record is like a part of the jam band. We'll call it the jam band like standards. repertoire standards. Yeah, like like you got Sissy Strut, Meter Man, like uh, Sophisticated Sissy. You know, Ease Back, which when we play, sing a simple song. They're all great, oh, yeah. great jammy tunes. And that's why that's my number nine. Did you start reading their about the book yet? It's sitting on my shelf, and I owe you Keith Richards. Yeah, book. give me the Keith Richards. Book, and that's bro. another reason why I Come like on, the Stones. Man. Is Keith Richards just like a crazy motherfucker? How has he not died? Right, he's like a cockroach. Man. I'm gonna die what, before he what, what, does. Right, he's gonna outlive us all. Dude. <laughs> we gotta think about what kind of world we're gonna leave Keith Richards and the roaches. But anyway, <laughs> um, oh, it's my turn. Uh, my number nine. Uh, King Crimson in the court of the Crimson King. Oh hell yeah! And that's a little bit of a tongue twister. Is that the one that you think that you're putting in because of your personal taste? No, this is like I think this is influential. Okay, but it, but it is also very personal. Mm-hmm. Is that the um, one with the face on the front. Yeah, the, yeah. That that did appear in like a lot of the top tens, like Rolling yeah. Stone and Pitchfork. It's and crazy. That was in the '60s. I didn't realize. That's that. what I. That's why I put it on the list because that's that, super progressive. It kind of was. So that was one of my alternates. Mm-hmm. And my uh, switch in for that was James Brown Live at the Apollo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I think James Brown Live is like always a little more interesting than him recorded. But King Crimson, I think, like has always been like ahead of their time. And the fact that that album, being as, as weird as it is, came out in 1969 is really crazy. And also, there's no, there's only six songs on the entire album, and every no song is less than seven and a half minutes long. Wow. So for 1969, have all your songs be seven plus minutes was like unheard of. Sure, yeah. So that was like yeah. ballsy and innovative and creative, and kind of just like a middle finger to like <laughs> the record company that was giving them a lot of money. So yeah. I don't know a lot about King Crimson. Were those tunes getting on the on the um, the airwaves at the time? They had they, on that album. There was one song which was uh, Schizoid Man. Okay, and that was like the the one thing. And it was, it's, King Crimson was never. You know they they were never the Beatles. They were never Bob Dylan. They were never this band that could sell out any room that they wanted to play. But like the people that came were more like people like us. They were like the musicians. Right. They were the people in the def- in late sixties. Definitely like experimental psychedelic voyages mm-hmm. and voyagers. <laughs> <laughs> he looked deep into my eyes. You couldn't see that over the recording. We need video. <laughs> video for this. <laughs> We're just gonna, I'm just going to post a vi- picture of Jordan just looking right at you. Here, I'm doing it on Instagram. Go ahead. Give me, give me your deep eyes right here. Voyagers. 
Got it. <laughs> Go to Hambo so, yeah, Instagram. That's my number nine, and Luke. I feel pretty good about it. Luke, what's your number nine, bro? My number nine is, again, something that influenced me, and it's the Jimmy Smith and Wes Montgomery dynamic duo record. Oh, shit. And I think I picked that because growing up I would go out when I lived in Westchester and hear a lot of Oregon trios, and those two guys, uh, Jimmy Smith and Wes, were kind of like, I don't know, the kings of those two things that did that. What was, that, what was the album? It's called Dynamic Duo, Dynamic. The Dynamic Duo. So it's like these two monsters in the scene, you know, blues, jazz. Got Down by the Riverside on it. With, it does. With uh, Is, is uh, Oscar, or... Uh, his name Oliver Nelson is that his orchestra? Do you know? It is, yeah. Is it him? Yeah, that's awesome. See, that was always the part I didn't love. I just you didn't love. See, I, I mean, I like the horns. It's interesting, but I just wait till they start playing, and well, then I'm well, like, all right. Now see, I'm here, here's what I love about that though. And there's another song. You know the Jimmy Smith tune, "Walk on the Wild Side." You know that tune? Yes, I'm, I'm not. It's like starts out. That's the tune that starts out with the bells. But anyway, anyway, it's like orchestral, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, blues, and, blues, and twelve eight. That's and what this is. Just, rah, you know yeah, what I mean? and that, that's like I love that shit because it's like, oh, what am I listening to? This is a movie soundtrack, and then they, then Jimmy Smith punches you in the face. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. That's how right? I feel about this record. Yeah, it's, yeah, but yeah. yeah, great record. Oh, it's phenomenal. And they play "Baby It's Cold Outside," which I always thought that's was a little strange. Classic date rape song. I, I don't know why uh, they have it on. Did there. you really have to open? We should have said something. <laughs> we did. Uh, we did play that. Rob and I played a Christmas gig on Friday. We opened with "Baby It's Cold Outside." <laughs> And it was. It was 32 degrees out. We were outside. Dude. Yeah, we did this. Remember. You know, it's funny. We went from, from a sold-out thousand-person room to playing to practically no one. <laughs> in front of a Barnes & Noble in, in the Saucon Valley. <laughs> no, we just said, let's open with a date rape song. No. Hey, so my number number eight. You guys ready for number eight? Mm-hmm. My number eight is Cream Wheels of Fire, which was, I believe, 1968. Late 60s are getting some love in this. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for the year. 68. August 68. So, no, it's not because of Pressed Rat and Warthog that I love Come this on. record. Come <laughs> on. That's the track. But this, that's the track. This, this record has pol- one of my favorite cream tunes, Politician. I love that tune. But the real reason why I love this record so much is Side 3, when it, di- when it does that the 15-minute spoonful. Sure, yeah. Fucking that, that jam is like what kind of like influenced my jamming i don't know you, are you guys familiar with that do you guys know that 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 yeah record? i mean i've heard you, like I know a million you know times we've yeah. talked about it but i'm not no and that's and like one of my notes that i made is that like in this list i left out clapton the birds mm. dominoes the mamas and the papas and the stones right which are like all ridiculously influential sure yeah. albums musicians writing for that decade, yeah, this is this is by far the hardest decade to make to I, be like oh, ten. Here's ten, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, there's there's so much for sure, yeah, for sure. But I don't know this record. I I love Cream in general. I love what Jack Bruce, especially Jack. I, I'm a big Jack Bruce fan, right? As, as, as he's a, a great bass player for sure, right? Great bass player, great vocalist too. And when he and Clapton was great, and I love Eric Clapton, but. When Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce play off of each other, yeah, it's something special. It yeah. really is oh yeah. Special. I mean, that, I think that was the band. I agree totally. There's so much tension in there too. They obviously, you know, they didn't get along. They hated each other. Well, you know that. You know the 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 farewell concert Royal Albert Hall, uh, 2005 or whatever. No, no, no. The the, the oh yeah, in '69 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. whatever year it was. They do Sunshine Every Love, and you know they hold the five chord at the yeah. end of Sunshine Every Love, and. Ginger Baker just—they all dropped acid, right? 
I think the story okay. is they all dropped acid, before, cool. or at least Ginger Baker did. So and and like so he goes nuts. They're they're in, they're doing they're on, they're hanging on the five cord, and Ginger Baker's just just going crazy, and he's like he like loses time. And Jack <laughs> Bruce, they the video the watch oh the watch my again. God, Jack, that's they, hilarious. They, they like zoom in on Jack Bruce, and he's like. He wants to murder like, him. Big eye, like I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> really? That, I think um, that's what. Makes but it that, sounds awesome. That's though. what makes that band so great. They teetered on that line of that tension where it's like everybody's soloing, but no one's soloing kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And there's like they're pulling in so so many different directions that it just creates this like chaotic madness, and it's you know really aggressive and intense. It's, and it's, it, awesome. it's so cool, man. And then when they in, in that jam in the spoonful jam, when they do like they go, they go to like a shuffle. Yeah, I don't yeah. like they're jamming on like the one chord. You know what I mean? And then like it's like a like a straight feel. And then all of a sudden, Ginger Baker does this like he like changes the time. He like he, like flips it around and they go into like a shuffle. And everyone just kind of follows him and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, they're on board. Yeah, they're on board. They're like, well, I guess we kind of have to be. You know? But yeah, it's, it's cool. I'd like to read an excerpt by the great poet, Ginger Baker. Prestrat and Warthog have closed down their shop. They didn't want to, t'was all they had got. Selling atonal apples, amplified heat, and Prestrat's collection of dog legs and feet. All right, my, what you got? my number eight. Uh, James Brown, live at the Apollo, 1962. Oh, I'm so glad you did it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because I listen to this record all the time because I think about, you know, I'm, I think about drummers and I think about, like, how shows are arranged and how show flow works. Mm-hmm. James Brown, if you ever watch, either listen to this album or like watch the him like DVDs of concerts, it's seamless. There's nothing. There's no breaks. There's no. It's no. it's just straight hits after hit or fire or groove, and everyone's just in it. Have you guys ever seen any of those live DVDs like so, from live from Montreux yeah, or anything? Yeah. Yep. Oh my so god! Good, yeah. It's just like. The audience can't help but not look away, and that that record is so ultimate is so great because like it's right after during like Bay of Pigs, I think it was like Bay of Pigs or something. Like everything's happening outside know. of the the venue, and they're just all in it. They're not thinking about anything outside, and it's just That's all awesome. groove. And I'll tell you what the uh, I think it's um please 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 Fuck or yeah. it's just like or no it's Night Train is the the song I was thinking of. It's just it's at the end of the the night and it's just fire. It's great. Yeah, I love it. Um, what year was it? Did you say that it was sixty two? I mean, I think I think now like having that stuff is like I almost picked that one. So much. <laughs> sorry, he's looking at notes. And I'm like, Ooh, I almost picked that one. Sorry. <laughs> That's cool. what, what were you saying, Jordan? Um, having that record now is worth so much more than it was one year ago. Sure. You know, like yeah. every year, like these really rare first pressings are becoming like so great to have. A lot of these albums too, I feel like they've then they were great records then, but the people didn't they weren't as appreciated then as they are now. No, so they're like, like oh shit, this fucking influence, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like you know, I mean, there's bands that are like touring their asses off, like in you know, especially in the jam band community that are doing two hundred shows a year. Yeah. You can be like, oh, I totally missed so-and-so this year. No big deal. Yeah. And that's how it was back then. Like, mm-hmm. James yeah. Brown yeah. toured so much. Right. Especially in New York. Especially, like, up north in Detroit. Like, anywhere mm-hmm. that, like, 
the black soul and R&B community was big. Sure, yeah. And, like, you could see him every two and a half, three months. Yeah. You know? But that was, like, still Jim Crow days in the South. Like, you really had to go see James Brown. Yeah. But in New York, it didn't matter. Like, they, like you wouldn't appreciate it then. Mm-hmm. Now we're like, shit. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what I, you know, it's like, oh, how much did you pay for a concert ticket? I'm like, oh, well, I paid like 275 to see Fish one time. Like, <laughs> what would I pay to see James Brown right now? Yeah. You know? And what, what what would everyone else pay, too? I still wouldn't be able to Hold on, are you seeing yeah. like early Brown or are we seeing late James Brown? No, it's I'm right. saying like... Honest <laughs> question. <laughs> if, like, if I could see like what James Brown was, you know. Oh, I'd easily pay. I just, like, I, I just envisioned James Brown in that newscast he did. Where he's like, yeah. I feel good. I smell good. I make love good. Yeah. <laughs> that James Brown. Yeah. And then the uh, the anchor was just like, huh? He's <laughs> like, all right. And then the weather. <laughs> Luke, Mr. Brown said it's hot. <laughs> what's your number eight, Luke? Uh, wait, what wait, was yours? What was yours? I skipped Jordan. Oh, Sorry. I was just going to, I was just going to ride. Um, we all just blacked out for a minute. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we got, we got all James Brown like. <laughs> um, mine, Stay tuned for the James Brown podcast. Yeah, exactly. We could do a whole podcast on James <laughs> we Brown. Could, all we right. Could, yeah. Jordan August here. <laughs> We're in Palmyra, New Jersey. Uh, my number eight is Otis Redding, the Dock of the Bay mm-hmm. from Hell 1968. Yeah. So, I also was kind of like teetering mm-hmm. on this one, not because of Otis Redding, but because sitting on the dock of the bay is the most overplayed song by a solo acoustic mm-hmm. act at a bar, sure, anywhere. Doesn't mean I don't like the song, but on that album, the song "Tramp." I don't know that one. I don't remember that one. I, I don't remember that one. Cue the music. Unfortunately, Hambone Relay doesn't have the rights to play Tramp by Otis Redding, but if we did, it would be epic. Tramp is like just this funky organ thing that happens, and I mean, like the the melody is cool, but it's like this conversation that starts with like between him and like one of his backup singers, and mm-hmm. it's so cool. He's like, "Oh, are you calling me a tramp?" And he's like, "Tramp." <laughs> and it's like it just pops into this groove and it's like the black sheep of the record so mm-hmm. it's like you know he was like already really popular his like biggest song is on the record and but he had like not just like a b-side but like a c-side song right. on this like record that has sold millions of copies yeah and and old r&b and soul music was really influential to me but this was also like huge for the music community so a little selfish, <laughs> a little not selfish. I don't think Otis Redding is selfish. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. He's inspired like every singer after him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I could never sing. And plus, didn't that Otis. wasn't that the record that he put out? Well, that they put out posthumously. It was after he died. Or am I making that up? Um, it, it contains so like the Wikipedia page says because <laughs> Wikipedia is always right. Um. There, so it came out in '68, but there's tracks on here on the record that he recorded in '65 that were like B sides to other records that didn't make it on. Oh, okay, so maybe that's what Tramp was. It doesn't really say much. But when did he die? <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> when did Otis Redding die? How did he die? '68, '67. Yeah, so, so yeah, this came out after he died. Yeah. How did he die? Was it a plane crash? No. 
Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> How did? Avi- oh, you were right. Aviation yeah, accident. Crash. Yeah. An incident. Yeah. It's so wild. Right? Musicians. It's crazy. Yeah. Goddamn planes. And so, that's like, that's so early. I yeah. know. That's crazy. Wait, what was it, 67? Flying... He died in 67. That record so came out in 68. Not to mention it's that your, your favorite band pretty much didn't make it after their plane right. crash. I know, right? R.I.P. Skinner. That's right. Skinner. Wait till anyway. we get to the 70s, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was actually going to mention this. I feel like I did okay. I did okay in this in the 60s. I'm going to have a terrible time with the 70s when we do this. 70s is tough, was t- actually tougher for me, I think. 80s was harder for me. Really? Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. I can't wait for the 90s. I know. I, I don't, don't need even Luke, do Luke, that. No one's going to show up. <laughs> I don't know if I can name one. I'm going to be, be sick that day. <laughs> um... <laughs> Luke, you guys isn't smooth in the late nineties, or is that two thousand smooth? Because <laughs> you're so smooth. Sorry, Luke. The Rob Thomas song. Yeah, yeah. Santana. Uh, it's a Santana song. I was <laughs> featuring Rob Thomas. It the actually is. He played that <laughs> at, at, uh, at uh, oh. Halloween. That song actually made me respect Rob Thomas a little bit more. Oh really? Yeah. You're not like a diamonds falling down kind of guy. I mean, I definitely didn't. <laughs> or like, street corner. <laughs> first of all, first of all, I did kind of like Matchbox Twenty. Whatever. Fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Brother. My mom loved Matchbox Twenty. Fuck yeah, dude. Push, he loved your mom. Dude. Come on, man. And what was it? Th- was that three? It's three o'clock in New Orleans. What, what was that song? I, I mean, yeah, oh, that, uh, that's a good lyric. Three a.m. Three a.m. Uh, it's three a.m. and I'm sorry. Is that? Yeah, no? it's a great song, man. Whatever. I don't know, the, the New Orleans thing. I, I think of, I added the New Orleans thing. I'm that's thinking of one week since you looked at me. <laughs> no. That's, that's what I was thinking. That's no. the Bare Naked Ladies. Also, also a great song. Also a great song. Okay. I don't Sorry, I'm not even Googling this. I feel like this. we're Sorry. jumping all over you. Anyway, so no, no, no. Luke, Luke, number eight. Number eight, eight, bro. Well, Mark, you're not going to like this, but it's uh, The Doors self-titled album. Uh, I almost <laughs> put that on. I almost put that on there. I didn't. I think that's important. I definitely do, too. So, 67, it was our first record, and... Uh, I just really like the Doors. I think Robbie Krieger is an awesome guitar player, and he takes such a different approach than kind of any other guitar player I've ever heard. I mean, especially in that era, but even since, like his solos on when the music's over is on the next record. But the end and Light My Fire and all the other so it's almost like an avant-garde approach or something. It's like the strangest, but somehow it just kind of fits the like vibe that they create in the tunes and the delivery and it's got this, this like 60s counterculture like strange psychedelic vibe to the whole thing what like, i think is crazy and really cool about the doors like <clears throat> you're saying with the guitar playing is like the guitar is not like the front instrument yeah like you know the organ you know player is kind of like the thing everyone knows so the guitar player kind of gets to play like around the music where yeah in this decade of music like the guitar was like in your face yes here's definitely. the guitar and the, you know the organ became more of like a textural aspect for right. uh, for the like the, you know the front like pop culture mm-hmm. stuff so like yeah yeah definitely that's yeah. like the main point of like i think why the doors are cool is you know what i think the about guitar the- player was like such a big deal yeah i love robbie krieger mm-hmm. and i love i think ray manzarek was so talented Play a fucking Hammond, dude. Put the Wurlitzer oh away, bro. I do. Put the Wurlitzer away. <laughs> do you think, like, the cheesy... You know what Wurlitzers are, are for? Churches. Churches. <laughs> I, agree, I, I agree, but I do think the strange kind of, like, off-putting, corny sound that he has in that organ adds to the strange vibe. He made it scary. He made you it scary. Yeah, it you is kind of doors, scary. Yeah. It's like, that's that's Raymond's era. It's you a vibe they have. Enough. And be, the way Even, Jim like, a, a non-musician would be like, what... 
organ is he playing? Yeah, he and wouldn't say, why would is, that, <laughs> is that an organ? He'd be like, no, but what? Oh, is that a 64 con? No big deal. It, you know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> right. the, they had a sound. Yeah, no. And, and like, you know. And, and his playing, too. Not just not just his organ, but his style of playing. You know that's him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Plays, yeah. sure. it's, it's unmistakable. He's like a mad scientist. Yeah. Yeah, and Robbie Krieger was a uh, flamenco guitar player. Was he really? Up until he he joined the Doors. Yeah. Do you know he played the Sellersville uh, uh, Theater not too long ago? I did see that. <laughs> I would be interested, open for a interested to see what that sounded like. <laughs> um, cool. Mark, do you I number seven? Number seven, bro. Bitch. Number seven, bitch. Uh, my number seven is has already been mentioned. Uh, James and West dynamic duo is my Ooh. number seven. That's right. That's right. So, uh, Luke already said pretty much everything there is to say about this record, but I just want to say it does have the best version of Baby It's Cold Outside. (laughs) I just listened to it today again at the gym. It's such a great record, dude. And not only that. That's the Jimmy Smith, right? Jimmy Smith and Wes Montgomery, yeah. Um, I I I know that you were saying the the orchestral stuff you don't love. Personally, yeah. But, like, I've always been a big fan of Oliver Nelson, the guy Mm -hmm. that. and, And. his arrangements are incredible. Like, so I've done like I arranged some stuff when I was in college for like a big band and stuff. And like the way he arranges his horns, it's incredible. And I think his "Down by the Riverside." He also did the "Walk on the Wild Side" of the Jimmy Smith tune. Okay, he yeah. did that too. You should check that out. Actually, it's really yeah, good. I definitely it's, it's, will. It's like a, it's like a, it's exactly like "Down by the Riverside." It's like orchestral and then a twelve-eight blues and Jimmy Smith just yeah. Busts it's like <laughs> all right, let's get it on. It's like <laughs> the first three minutes are just or- orchestra, no organ. That's the first tune. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The first three minutes in "Walk on the Wild Side" it's just like it's just like straight up orchestra, and then. Then it's just like rhythm section and Jimmy Smith. Yeah, I wonder what their thought though was in that because, I mean, the two things don't go together. Great. I mean, it, I see the continuity in it, but it's not like well, wouldn't be my first choice you, to put together. So are why you, are you familiar with like his the Jimmy Smith album? Um, uh, are you afraid of the Virginia Wolf? Yeah. So like that shit where there's like I feel like that was kind of the vibe back then though. Like nowadays sure. we're like what the fuck. Yeah. Like back then that was like cool. That was like hip. And they could sell it to people that. And it like, was like shrink. it was like it bridged the gap between like the, yeah. the popular. That's a good point. Like like the people that were like into like the pop popular jazz like cocktail like party. Lawrence Welk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus like real jazz. You know what I mean? So like they were like, hey, let's sell the let's sell this shit to like a broader audience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's what that's what that's like. And a lot of that was recorded just all at the same time mm-hmm. that I'm yeah like yeah. they would go in the studio and the horn and everything would just they would just lay it down which yeah. I think is amazing because now real. there's no way it's they would crazy. take that approach I have an article I'll show you guys uh, you know off air I have an article about how they would record back then like how the, it's all about the, where they would put the mics and where everyone would set up so like yeah. the drums would set up like in a certain spot so the mic would just pick up certain things and then they have this the horns over here with like one mic between them and yeah. they'd all play live like nothing was over yeah but how many mm-hmm. mics did they have available at the time was it like an eight channel type situation no, so so you had you had uh before les paul created like the multi-tracking mm-hmm. so before you had four tracks you had two tracks you had stereo left and right right so you had two you had, that's it you had two mm-hmm. so they put two mics and then pan them hard they hard pan them 
Oh, wow. And then after that, they'd have four tracks, and then you'd have four mics, and you'd still hard pan them. You know what I mean? And then when the Beatles started doing it, they, they, they'd do, like, four tracks, and then layer four tracks. And yeah. Right, I remember that. Tracks, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, and wear the tape so thin that you, like, <laughs> right. that you were like, I don't know if we can do this anymore. <laughs> right. Rob, number seven. Number seven. It's Stand by Sly and the Family Stone from the year 1969. I'm sure this one's on a bunch of lists. But um, this album is like one of the best albums from the 60s. The reason why it's so low is because I had some personal choices. I had to go above it. But like, there are so many great jams on this. Stand, which if you heard the the music that accidentally came out of my phone, that was Stand. Um, I want to take you higher. Uh, somebody's watching you sing a simple song. Everyday people, they do Sex Machine. What oh is this? God. This record it's is the, insane. It's the best record ever. Um, <laughs> came out May 3rd, 1969. And like, to me, I think it's it's their their masterpiece. I love it. It's, it's wild. Any, any they got band? Dance the Music and everything. That came out the year before. But like, Stan On a different was, record? Or? Yeah, One that came out record. in 68. But Stan came out in 69. That was when I think things started, really started like, boom! Yeah. Well, that, like, so, their, their live shows went crazy. Yeah. Like, everyday and People's on that? Also, yeah. Yeah, 1969 was Woodstock. Right. And Sly and the Family Stone was billed to play Woodstock. Everything was such a clusterfuck at Woodstock that Sly and the Family Stone did not go on until 2.30 a.m., uh-huh. Right. And they played till four fifteen in the morning. But it was, but it was crazy. And it's they just released that recording on Record Store Day in April on four twenty or what? I guess it's like four twenty every year. And I got that that record, Sly and the Family Stone Live Woodstock was supposed to be on my top ten list, but because it wasn't released yeah. until twenty nineteen, it couldn't make it. But that performance is out of control. I gotta check that out. I it's out of control because they're playing. You know, like some of the stuff that was hot before it, but they're playing this whole new album, like, and and it never stops. It's like a James Brown show; nothing ever yeah. stops. It's like this never-ending medley of music at night. Everyone's tripping on acid, and uh, this is what I imagined. Uh, <laughs> you know, and be. like having like the best time ever late at night. It's 1969. There's no good lighting, so it's just fucking dark. <laughs> you, you know, playing music and you know, around. and like the band's yeah. just up there, sweaty as shit, like fucking going, <laughs> but dressed like yeah. so awesome. Like that's like that's music. Yeah, it would be like, a different experience, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you go see a band now. Yeah. It's some big festival, two thirty in the morning, and there's like seven million dollars worth of lights on the stage. Yeah, you know, you're not even looking at the band. Yeah. You know, it, it was like, like all you were looking at was Sly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't know who else. I personally don't even know who else was in that band. That's all I can think about is him, Cynthia and Jarrett. Dude. Yeah, see, that, the only reason I know them is <laughs> the only reason I know them is because they were on the Prince um, uh, DVD uh, in a studio in Minneapolis. Mm. I can't remember the name of it now. But by the way, I've heard a story recently uh, that Prince loves. Uh, Sly and Earth, Wind, and Fire, but Prince one time came out at the beginning of a show and went, maybe you told me this story. Prince comes out in the beginning of the show. You ever heard 14 number ones in a row before? 14 hits in a row before? (laughs) (laughs) This is what that would sound like. And just goes for 14 songs straight. Yep. Uh, And 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 they were a huge uh, influence on him. I, I just oh, love yeah. it. That, is that the is that the the new? Have you seen you've seen the New Year's Eve video, right? That's where it is. Larry, Larry yeah. Graham's on bass. Yep, because they bring out they bring them out for everyday people. I think. Yep, 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 yeah. yep, yep. And then like Lenny Kravitz is there too. 
What is okay? I have a question. What is up with Larry Graham's microphone that comes out of his bass guitar? What's, Who what's, cares? What's it's up? Epic. It's pretty I, cool, but what the fuck? I don't know. Well, he didn't have to have a microphone in front of him. He can just walk around. He had another Why? XLR that went. Into you know the what the real question is? What? Why not? Why the fuck not? Right? <laughs> you should do that. Dude. Why not? Yeah, what, I, Jordan. Do, that's definitely do. what I should do. Him just singing alarms, be able to walk around. He already yeah. has too much power. I don't know if we can do this. <laughs> I don't know. If I think we reach max power. <laughs> Did you see the bridge show? <laughs> All right, go ahead. What's your number seven, Jordan? <clears throat> um, number seven, yeah. Ray Charles, Modern Sounds in Country Ooh. and Western Music, 1962. I also have that on vinyl. Fucking sick record, dude. Sick record. Oh, yeah. And also, Oops. It, you know, it, uh, I don't, I think it was one, it was the second record that he put out in the in the 60s. Mm. Ever, the, crazy to think that, like, a lot of his stuff came out in the 50s. Yeah, yeah. And this was like a big, a major fuck you sure. to his record people that wanted him to do a certain thing. And, but he like... Was that on Atlantic? Was that... It was still on Atlantic, Atlantic. Well, yeah. No, in the movie, he just switched. I remember... So in the movie, Ray, with uh, Jamie Foxx, that's the mo- moment where he switched record labels, wasn't it? Well, wasn't it still on... It came out on Atlantic, but he was like well, that, in transition? That album's on Atlantic. I'm pretty sure it is, because I have, I have the record. I'm pretty sure that's Atlantic. Um, Ray Charles... I could have swore uh, that was a moment. Modern sounds and country maybe, music. Oh, maybe, maybe they just changed it for the. Maybe well, I get those two confused. So I could be wrong. Was it her. Columbia or or was it um, Atlantic? That's the part that I'm confused. In the movie, I remember he switched to he switched to Columbia. I just can't remember between which records. I'm pretty sure it was that one, but maybe it's before he it was went out rec- Georgia. It was recorded for Atlantic Records. Okay, but not released with Atlantic or. Um, no, it was released on Atlantic, and also like a crazy record because they're, they're not in his songs. Yeah, I think you know? that part's crazy. He's yeah. thirty-one when he makes that record. Yeah, right? he's young. Yeah. yeah, but he's already very popular. Yeah, you know, and he'd already like kind of changed the record industry for a black man in that time. Yeah, sure. And then he recorded an album of white men music. Why do you think he did that? Or why? I mean, I don't. I think he was like sick of like the diversity in the music. Yeah. He wasn't able to play certain places, you know, or play to the crowds that loved him. He didn't I mean the man was blind, you know? Mm-hmm. Like so he like didn't, he didn't see see color. see color. That's such like a generic phrase to say, but like he literally didn't. Even like his soul didn't see color. Right. So it was just kind of crazy like he wanted to just play the music that he was, you know, making from his heart and soul for whoever wanted to come and see it, especially paying come and see it. It came from nothing, yeah. and he couldn't do that in certain towns. So he was like, "Well, f- fuck you," <laughs> yeah. you know. He recorded a Hank Williams song. Like the, yeah. la- the last track on the album is like "Hey, Good Looking." Yeah, yeah, you I mean, know, hilarious. And it's like such a cool version of it too. Mm-hmm. You know, he like keeps it within the wheelhouse, but puts like his soul sure. into it. And I was bummed that like, we didn't do the 50s because my 50s would have been all Ray Charles. Well, yeah, I feel like I could have <laughs> well, picked some 50s too. Yeah, I was so in the, in the 50s, everything was like singles, right? So when, yeah, when did like the LP, went, was that like, like mid-60s when the LP was kind of like a big deal? I think it was. Really? It had to have been the late 50s. Late 50s? Right, because yeah. all the Dylan stuff came out in the early, started to come out in the early 60s and he had a bunch of tunes on there. Mm-hmm. So oh, like, it had to be. Like LPs. Like not, LPs, not, not singles. Full records. No, 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 no. Cause like, cause like all the early Ray Charles, like what I say, and I, like all all that shit was like a single. All the Jerry Lewis stuff, they were, yep. they were those were all singles. Elvis, mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? So like all the jazz stuff, they were in full albums. Right. By the way, it's funny how we've kind of come back to that now. Everyone's coming out to putting out singles or just two tracks at a time. Yeah, yeah. It seems to. It's yeah. funny how cyclical that is. We'll get back to records, but I mean, like, it's, it's funny that like even like the Lumineers or you have your you know your big pop artists are only putting out one song or two songs at a time. It's crazy. It's funny. No, everything is singles. Luke, number seven, bro. Number seven is Santana. Oh, dude, good record. Oh, wait. It's a hot one. Wait for the 90s. It's coming. Please, I'll be the only one here just singing Santana. Everybody else will be I don't think I know any 90s songs, actually. I think it's funny. Even on that track, though, as soon as you hear Santana play, there's no question about in anyone's mind who it is. It's just... It opens Absolutely. up with some volleys and then a long sustaining note. That's <laughs> Santana. Have you have you seen the interview he did about the his performance at Woodstock? No. Yeah, we he's like, like we all we, we, we thought we were going to play later. We thought we were going to play later, so we all ate acid, and then they're yeah. like, "Hey, you're on." No, you're he on. ate mescaline. A oh, oh, mescaline. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, he thought he, he thought his, the neck of his guitar yeah. was a snake. He was yeah. trying to tame it, you know, like while he was playing. Sorry, <laughs> we're interrupting his. Yeah, his I know. Story Sorry, story. Yeah, that's right. part of the. Part of the thing. Yeah. Well, this. What I is guess the this record? Came, this came out. Well, it's called Santana. Self-titled. That's his first. That, that's his first, first record. Yeah, I guess it. Is this? It came out in August 1969, which is when Woodstock was. So oh, yeah. it either came out what, what, right before. You know what, month, what month did it come out? So it was recorded May through August 1969, oh. and was released in August. What was Woodstock? Was oh August, wow! It came right? out that fast. It was in August. Yeah. It was the first weekend of August. That's crazy. Yeah. Second, third, I still third, watch fourth, that fifth, second, third, fourth, third, fourth, fifth. The, do- yeah. the documentary on Woodstock. You oh, you mean like the actual Woodstock movie? You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's I, amazing. I, I, I want to watch it because cool. I never get it. So so I have it, dude. I have the box. Have box set. Set? I have the box. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome, dude. If I hear more, more Especially the hippies. The hippies is bathing naked. It's great, dude. You love it. Yeah. So dude. why did you choose this record? Thanks, Jordan. Because of the hippies. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks. Um, again, selfishly, kind of, you know, I'm a guitar player and I still love guitar players, obviously. And, uh, hearing that was like, he has a lot of blues influence. Like he was obviously listening to BB King and Albert King and those Freddie King, those guys, but he had this, it's a lot of Kings, the, the three Kings. Yeah. <laughs> he had this other thing, like this Latin influence going on and this African percussion stuff. That was a, a dynamic in that scene that hadn't happened yet and kind of still hasn't happened as effectively as it did in then also there's organs pretty present what's the guy's name greg roley or yeah. raleigh so he's, dude, he's burning sick, and uh what's the michael shreve michael shreve yeah just the percussive dude, elements of the whole thing the i saw michael burning. shreve play in seattle when yeah the, when the bridge was on when the bleh was on was on the road <laughs> and, and he did like a jazz gig but they did like like latin jazz yeah dude, he's sick dude oh he's a monster he's man. so good man dude, he's Holy a monster shit, yeah dude, he was awesome when you when you watch the documentary and especially the santana performance there's like so many people on stage and it's like mm-hmm. i know, you know it's, it's his band you know whatever yeah. but they like pan over to like one of the four different people playing percussion and there are no mics on, <laughs> on this one guy yeah. for a minute, and he is playing like the guy playing like, congas and stuff. Yeah, like he is raising yeah. the dead, 
you know, to yeah, save his mama's life. You yeah, know what I mean? It's funny. It's like there is no microphones. It's funny. Even on like, have you ever seen the Hendrix footage? From yeah. The, oh yeah. He's got a percussion player, <laughs> <laughs> and you're not hearing that. You hear none of it. For Hendrix and Billy Cox and and who was playing No Redding later in the weekend. Like for the Hendrix performance, like so much of their equipment got ruined. Yeah. That they were like, I don't know. Sorry. This is, this is what's left. Well, that's or, another one. They were supposed to play, what, Sunday night? And they ended up pushing it. So he played Monday morning at like 9 a.m. Yeah. He was the last act. And that's why he played the Star Spangled Banner. He was like, what, you woke up to that. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, San- Santana had a huge <laughs> influence. It still does. I mean, he you could play anything over the top of this rhythm section and it's burning. And He's so still good. got it. With him on top of it, it's just phenomenal. phenomenal. Does, does Greg Rowley sing on that album? Do you know? Um, because there I mean, is a lot Santana of Santana doesn't sing. Carlos doesn't sing, right? He does. does he does he backups and stuff okay. like that. It's, it's interesting like seeing chanty. his progression too, because he started with this, which was revolutionary and kind of uh, like a little uh, fusiony, I guess, like a fuse like African and blues sure. and stuff, and some jazz elements. But then, as he does a couple records, he keeps getting further and further and further out. <laughs> right. And there's like this sweet spot, and this is. In my opinion, one of the ones in the sweet spot. It's, and it's the first one, but it's a good record. yeah, you can. Because well, good the reason choice. why I ask is because I love I love Greg Rowley singing. He sings on like everybody's everything and shit. And um, that's, um, later on, you know, he's definitely on some of the because they're singing on most of these he, songs. He, he's fucking great. He's awesome. But that's awesome. That's awesome. It's awesome. We'll cut that out. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but how awesome? So uh, I guess we're on number six. So, so we'll do number that's six. Then we'll take, a, then we'll take a short break. So my number six is uh, Sam Cooke, Night Beat, oh, 1964. That's one of my honorable mentions. It's good, good record, right? It's a great record. So I fucking love Sam Cooke, and when he sings, when he sings Mean Old World, dude, so good. Um, Little Red Rooster, his version of Little Red Rooster. Little Red Rooster. I haven't, Rooster. Oh, I haven't so heard good. this. I don't you, know this You one. should check it out. Yeah. Man. You would love it. Yeah. Maybe I've heard tracks here. I'm, I'm a huge... It wasn't until, honestly, you know what it was? When we were on the road in uh, New England, Luke, and we were like working on trying to play. We were at Starlight Gallery. We were trying to play uh, Change is Gonna Come. Yeah. It's like, I was like, oh, fuck. Sam Cooke. I used to love Sam. I hadn't listened listened to him in years. So I I like started listening to him again after that night. I, I forgot like how awesome he was. Yeah. Like and this record, I have this record again. This was one of my dad's records that I that I that he gave me and. I, it's it's incredible, man. You should, you should, have you have you heard it, Rob? At no. all? You should check it. out. I know the single, Little Red Rooster. But little, well, Little Red Rooster was great. Was great. Uh, he does like Shake Rattle and Roll. Well, Shake Rattle and Roll, I think, it was like the random thing to put on there, right? Yeah, but yeah. that was like he was like the doo wop king. Yeah, you know for sure. that was his, his thing. And this was like what? This was like shortly before he died, right? Because he died. In what, 65, well, 66? My honorable honorable mention is the last record he put out before he died uh, was what Sam year? Cooke, Ain't That a, Ain't That the Good News. Oh, cool. What? That was the one with the uh, Change is Going to Come nice. on it. Cool. That was that so good. Is fucking so good. I know. You, we should cover that. Let's do, we're going to cover that shit. It's happening. Luke singing. <laughs> with, Luke, with Luke on lead vocals. I was born. <laughs> By the river. Luke, you, you're not allowed to play guitar. You just have to sing. Um, what's yeah. his name from Star Trek uh, style? What's his name? Yoda. Yoda? Star, Star Trek? <laughs> oh, Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, Star we'll save that for the Star Wars podcast. 
What's his name? Ben Folds worked with him. He I does do. like a spoken word album. Fun uh, fact: Jordan does not has Leonard never watched Nimoy? Star Trek. No. Oh, oh, uh, what's his face? <laughs> Captain Kirk. Captain dude. Kirk. What's his name? Uh, Shatner, dude. William Shatner. William Shatner. Luke's gonna pull a Shatner. Anyway. Anyway, number All seven, Rob. Knock me. Number seven. No, number six. <laughs> number s- no. Oh yeah, no. Number seven. Number six. six. I did six. my number seven. I don't number know how to six. count, dude. I'm the worst. Sure, we, musicians, we count to four. That's about it. So my number six is "Bringing It All Back Home" by Bob Dylan. Came out in '65. Has some great tunes such as "Subterranean Homesick Blues," "Maggie's Farm," "Outlaw Blues on the Road Again," "Mr. Tambourine Man," and it's all over now. Sound like one of those infomercials right now. Baby blues. I know. Seriously, <laughs> I know. It's like you, you need to buy to, this album right now. To sell it for nine ninety for three payments of nine ninety nine. This is like the old CD thing that you had to mail in your money. Exactly. For. Yeah. And, but anyway, but seriously, this this album has like most of these guys know, but maybe you guys don't know. Is I'm a huge folk fan. I love Bob Dylan. I love him immensely, and all these tunes are classics for me. Like it's all right, Ma. I'm only bleeding is like one of the greatest folk tunes. I mean, it's Maggie's title? Farm. Well, it's a Maggie's Farm. Like, again. That's a it's, big um, song for me. Maggie's Farm. Uh, bringing it all back home. It came out in '65. Um, it's it's one of the greatest folk records of that era. Subterranean homesick blues, Maggie's Farm, Outlaw Blues, Love Mine is Zero. They're all great. Well, and Dylan also he put out like four records in the sixties. Yes, he did, if not more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's I, like it's really hard to pick one. That was the part that was hard. I actually have two Dylans on my top tens. <laughs> so I, I mean, like, I could have put four Beatles records in my top ten. See, that's funny. You know, I I do have a Beatles record on my top ten, but like with Dylan, I don't get sick of it. With the Beatles, because they're played so often, I got sick of all the songs. Mm-hmm. So only one I, of the records made it on my that. list. I get that, yeah. I'd rather... Like, you know what's funny about those Beatles tunes? You know all the all the songs in every album. Usually. In order. In Well, I'm not that far along, but, like, okay. that's awesome. Um, but, <laughs> but, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're all played so often. Every cover. No, I get it. Every band has a Beatles cover, I including just, us. My thing is I, I just recently got into Bob Dylan. Okay. And, like, being a songwriter and, like, coming from, like, a Americana world of songwriting, like, I can't stand his voice. Oh yeah, I'm okay. with you, bro. By the so, way, I love so, it. I can't so do then, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I just didn't want to listen to him. But right. what I do like is I like reading his lyrics. I like reading sure. like his books and books about him. I think he's one sure. of the greatest songwriters of all time, if of, not the greatest. If not I the think greatest. he's the greatest songwriter of all but, like, time. I, I, just I don't would rather hear to other people play his. Songs. By the way, I just don't want to listen to him. Yeah. I listen to I, not listen to. I read Lee Von Helm's autobiography or biography, except for Tombstone Blues. I fucking I was going to say like Rolling Stones. Come on, man. You fuckers. Anyway, we just so anyway, hijacked Rob. I know. Sorry, fuck you Sorry bro. So listen, there's actually a rumor that he fucked his voice up like that so that people would have to pay more attention to lyrics. Well, he's not a good singer, so we can't listen to that, so we have to listen to the words. Fun fact, his son it sings just like him, and he's not a good singer either. So he I just think, might not, actually I think, not be a good singer. Um, <laughs> one headlight. I don't, I don't mind that song. Dude, I like the Wallflowers. Um, fuck y'all. But, I photographed them. They were awesome live. But uh, I love Bob Dylan, and the folk things were kind of what I came from. My dad yeah, played guitar, and I, I love that shit. So th- this record, and like, you ever seen um, Inside Lou and Dave? Oh, I love that movie. And like Dylan's like there at the end. It's well, like, it, well, it was because because like Lou and Davis like was supposed to be got all pissed off. off and like made a scene and like dipped out and didn't meet the like manager of the venue. And the next person to come up on stage is a young Bob Dylan in yeah. the movie, mm-hmm. but no one knew it. Like it was not Bob Dylan. But you he can't was doing, see uh, my air quotes right now. 
<laughs> it was it was like Bob Dylan before he was like, oh shit, Bob Dylan. Right, right. And that's when like Bob Dylan got his start, like in the fucking East Village. Yeah, and it was. Uh, but like that movie reminded me, like, oh, that's why I like Bob Dylan, like that vibe, that that. Uh, don't get me started. That song makes me cry. <laughs> anyway, Jordan, you're number six. Hey, hey, before Jordan goes, Hamlin really should cover some Bob Dylan tunes. Don't tempt me. I'll bring all we sorts should. of shit. We should, right? Yeah, no, I mean, Tombstone I mean, Blues. We it, should do it. It has thirteen verses. Thirteen. Yeah. Let's I'd rather do, do Alice's Restaurant. Okay. Or, or Kenny and Kenny Liner and Chris Jacobs used to play that song. Really? As like a all thirteen verses, and they would sing sing all thirteen Hold verses. Kenny Liner. Kenny Liner. All right, what's your number six? Big old Kenny Liner. Um, don't care. Uh, too far away. Jordan August here, uh, Palmyra, New Jersey. Here we are, Palmyra, New Jersey. <laughs> and my number six is the band, the band from nineteen sixty nine. Love that album. Uh, I mean, what else can you say about that album? I so I actually this 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 album was actually in my top ten and it got moved to my honorable, honorable mentions. I get that because I love that I fucking yeah. It was that and then Big Pink, but I think the band that that album for me more so than Big Pink is is incredible. Night, uh, night they drove old. That's down. that's why. That's it's why like, I chose it. Uh, I that think, song is amazing. I think the night they drove old Dixie down is one of the top ten best songs ever written. I agree. I agree. That's and the best song on the um, last on Waltz the last Waltz. recording. I think that, that uh, well, that version of the song is the best oh, version the best. of the song. I think the lyrics in that song is such an incredible story. I think the melody is incredible. I think. The little riff that it starts with, the dun, 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 dun. but then later in the song it like turns it, but dun 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 dun, dun. yeah, and like it adds like Garth this, Hudson, like, dude, Ugh. fuck it, yeah, like <laughs> I, that was so genius to me, and like that yeah. that little part was like that almost what made it, that just like changing the way they played a stupid like major pentatonic walk up, yeah, but dun 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 dun. dun. Dun, dun 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 like yeah i would have like i could say hey let's do that in this song and you'd be like that's stupid but then it was like that was such a big deal to make little changes like that yeah and, it wasn't noticeable by the audience but the band would be like all right i guess but it makes it a huge let's difference try it. and it was such a big difference also, so cripple, that's why that's my number six I cripple creek like, too yeah great i mean the, the, like I, I have not been in a band that didn't cover that song yeah. I've, every band i've ever played in has played that song yep cripple creek and I, and I will still play that song fuck yeah. without hesitation okay and rag mama rag great song that's good is that the opening track of the album it's the second, second across one. the great divide is the first one. ah king harvest is that on that record uh, that's on Big Pink, right? That's on Big Pink. Yeah. No. Right? Isn't it? It's on Big no, it's Pink. Not. It's not. What? What album's it on? Uh, it is on the band. It's a great. <laughs> great. It's it a made great it. Record. It made it through the cut. It's Luke, a great, great fucking record. Luke, what's your number six? My number six is Johnny Winter, Progressive Blues Experiment. Wow. wow. Yeah, Fuck yeah! Your, was like, your list is so <laughs> much more impressive than mine. I don't, I, feel, I don't know. Mine's like all guitar players, which is cool. Cause, well, I don't fine. sing, I guess. That's but your top ten. That's what it is. It my top ten. But it's interesting hearing these lists and just how it reflects on it's true. You as a person, or yeah. like how what year know, did the, what year was that? Sixty nine. I think 68 and 69 is getting some that serious was some 69 in general. I know. Yeah, that was I agree. serious, really serious, serious year. Serious year. Yeah. But that was another one that 
you know, I'd go out and see guys play all the time. They were playing all these standard blues tunes, and uh, this is a record that had all of them on them. Dude, Rolling and Tumbling, dude. Yep. Hell yeah. Dude. Cream did that, obviously. <laughs> Who wrote that? Cream did that. Well, uh, it, it says uh, Robert Johnson. Right? It says McKinley Morganfield, but Robert jo- Robert Johnson wrote that shit. And it's cool because in the tradition, really? I mean, who? I, th- I thought so, right? Didn't he? That's what I always thought. Well, it says it gets so dense though. With Wikipedia. I'm Wikipediaing, and it he says, wrote so much in that time. Like so, a lot of people covered Robert Johnson songs. You didn't really know. Dude, oh, come on! I have this. Kitchen. I have this. I have that yeah. on vinyl too. That, that's I think that's on this track. Is that on that record? Uh, come in my kitchen. No, no. But he did, maybe on his next record okay. because I remember learning that version that he did. But uh, Willie Dixon's all over all this stuff too. <clears throat> Sorry, but yeah, what that, was, what that was? was one I really liked. Oh, we're at our halfway oh, point. Is it a halftime? Uh, let's, let's take a break. It's <laughs> halftime. I got a piss. Hey, what's up, everybody? Mark Brown here once again. Thanks for listening to Dude Check This Out, a music podcast, and uh, Hambone Relay's top ten albums of the 1960s. Just so you know, we're going to be doing an episode like this for every decade. After the 60s as well, so 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. So it's going to be crazy, there's going to be lots of fun had, lots of uh, alcohol consumed, and uh, it's going to be nuts. Maybe we'll have a guest or two on to help us do the list, so it should be cool. Um, So stay tuned for those episodes. In the meantime, now that we've done our 6 through 10, um, I'd like to just read a top 10 list from the internet. Um, and kind of see how that uh, stands up to our list so far. So this is PasteMagazine.com's top 60 albums of the 1960s. And I'm going to read the top 10 um, because there are quite a few similarities in this list. Uh, so number 10 is John Coltrane's A Love Supreme, 1965. Number 9, James Brown, Live at the Apollo, 1963. Number 8, Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison, 1968. Uh... Number seven, uh, Jimi Hendrix Experience, Are You Experienced, 67. Uh, number six, Bob Dylan, Blonde on Blonde, from 1966. Number five, The Beatles' Revolver, from 1966. Number four, The Rolling Stones' Let It Bleed, from 1969. Uh, number three, The Beach Boys' Pet Sounds, from 66. Number two, Highway 61 Revisited, by Bob Dylan, that's 1965. And the Pace Magazine number one album of all time is The Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Love Man from 1967. So a little bit different take from Paste Magazine. And now without further ado, let's get back to our top five albums of the 1960s. Delman Jack is oh, delicious. Of course. Of course. Are you guys ready for number five? Are we on? We're on. Mark, we're on. Are you doing intro? Hey, we're back. (laughs) Hey, everyone's gonna make fun of my uh, radio announcer voice now. So uh, go fuck yourselves. Uh, Mark, bring on your number six. (laughs) (laughs) Number five, (laughs) bitch. My number five is. (laughs) Sorry, one second. Is uh, my number five is uh, <coughs> Mercy, 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 Live at the Club. You put that at number five? Cannonball Adderley, dude. Really? 1966. Wait, what? It's above all those records you said before. Fuck yeah, dude. Are you kidding me? I'm curious. Go ahead. Elaborate. Dude, so first of it's all. coming at you. What's that? I am. He's coming I'm, at you. you so you do you not like that record? I, no, I like that record. I would not put it, put it above the other five that you mentioned. I don't know if that would make my top ten. Really? Okay. Uh, wow. 
I'm getting some. I'm but getting no, some give me, heat. give me your, give me your answers. Give me your reasons. So, so I think. So first of all, I think that version of Mercy Mercy is fucking the shit. The way the band plays is great, and Hippadelphia, Hippadelphia, yeah, and the sticks. Those two tunes are fucking the shit, dude. The band, the, that band. I don't know. See, now I'm drunk. And Wait, now is that <laughs> the sticks? Are, the only he's got nothing. He's got nothing. I got nothing. Defend it. This is like your your graduate <laughs> thesis. <laughs> like honestly, so I, I so again 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 I. This is, Somewhere. So, uh, so I've, I've had that album on vinyl for a long time, okay. and I love that. I love that record, and like Joe Zavinal's playing on that record is is like it's kind of like how I approach when I when I play anything but organ. So like Rhodes, piano, clav, skin flute, skin flute, fucking <laughs> you name it. That's how I approach that shit. Like it, it's like way back in the pocket, and it, it's fucking it's the shit, dude. And like that record. Like, again, th- this list is kind of selfish to me. So, like, that record defines me. I listened to that record a lot when I was in college. Listened to that record a lot uh, when I was in high school, even. And and I love it. I fucking love that record. I love I loved the keyboard playing on that record. And I love Cannibal Adderley. So, there it is. I guess I have to, like, I'm separating myself from, like, you know, everything is personal to everyone, mm-hmm. you know? And Sure. I don't. I don't know that record either, so I, that's like yeah. I can't really weigh into it. Like I, I think I know it, but I don't know it. Know it, right? So I'm just thinking like how hard it was for me to get ten. Mm-hmm. Well, so and I'll, I'll be honest. There, there are like when I, when I, when we do our, our our honorable mentions. Sorry, that been, wasn't hard. To been say drinking. <laughs> when we do <laughs> when we do our honorable mentions, you know, like this. <laughs> sorry, guys. Whatever. <laughs> like. Like, what are we gonna do when thi- we do that? This, re- <laughs> this record, this record could have been interchangeable with some of the other the other albums in there. Stop. You, yeah, I hear you. You guys got somewhere. I'm with I'm with you, Mark. Well, like, thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. <laughs> but all I'm saying is like like for me for me that record influenced me a lot. So yeah, <clears throat> I actually I was driving home from the gig I don't know last weekend or something, and RTI was playing Mercy Mercy Mercy, and I've heard it a million times, but I haven't. Really listen that intently. Sometimes you got to deal with adversity, yeah. but just the spirit of that track and the way they play it. It's not. It's not is, about. It's right. so like it's, cathartic. It's, I don't know. It's like not the, about. It's not about like oh this this song is so fucking profound. <clears throat> okay, so I'll give you for example, right? I I I looked up like what are the, what are some of the other top tens, and a lot of the top tens have a love supreme in them. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's up there in mine. I fucking hate that record. Oh shit! I fucking here's the thing. I love Coltrane, Duh. and I, and I don't. It's definitely in his top, top hate five. Is, hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. You're entitled to think hate whatever is, you want. Yeah, hate ahead. is a strong word. I don't hate that record, but but it it you didn't don't. make any of my list because it doesn't it doesn't doesn't speak to me. Like like for me, it's it's this this blues feeling in the in the motherfucking pocket fucking. And to me, a love supreme doesn't give me that, but mercy, mercy gives me that shit. Like sure, in yeah, the pocket, yeah, yeah. fucking laying back, fucking glass of scotch in your hand, fucking this is the shit. And like love, a love supreme doesn't do that for me. You know what I mean? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. It's different. So, it's a different. And, and, and also, I've been li- I've been listening to that record for a long time, and, and it, it, I love it. So, do you notice that certain jazz records you can only enjoy when you're either 
like there's a there's an avenue of records you can listen to when you're intoxicated, and there's an mm-hmm. avenue of jazz records you can listen to when you're stoned. You know, like it's one or the other. For are me, intoxicated like, like drunk, you like, mean? Yeah, drunk stone or stoned. Like, yeah, you know, like yeah, so, like for like Love Supreme, <clears throat> or even like if you go to Bitches Brew, right? You bitches got, Brew when I'm high, you have to be high. Love it, yeah, so, love it. Unless you're Luke, who just sits there with a glass of wine. Mm, yes, I like how the, <laughs> the counterplay is happening. Mm, yes. You really think that's what I would think about the record? <laughs> I think so. I do love the record. I wouldn't be commenting so on the counterplay, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> Never mind. That was, yeah. That, yeah, I mean, that's, that's for the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and just to clarify, I don't hate Love Supreme. But like for for me, <laughs> we were just talking about why know, you like this I don't record. Know, I don't not know, right? I do. I do. I'm love, sorry to give you so much like speculation about I'm li- this record. <laughs> I'm like I'm like I'm like a pocket like feel player, and I feel like there's a lot of feeling in in Mercy Mercy and the Sticks, also covered by Hambo and Relay, and <laughs> and and Hippadelphia too. Like I don't there's, know that there's a lot of like it's on that. There, there, yeah, there's there's a lot of like it. It just it like feels fucking good. Like the way the way the drums and the way Nat Nat Adderley plays in that record, it just sounds it's fucking amazing to me. It feels great. And it influ- it, Joe Zavinal was a big influence on me as far as like my keyboard playing. Mm. Not so much organ, so much like Jimmy Smith was a big influence on the organ for me. But like for like Rhodes and Worley, especially the Worley. Joe Zavinal was a big influence, and that that record for me, kind of like, defines it. Question: you know I mean? Yeah, do you prefer Joe Zawinul as a sideman or with Weather Report? Sideman, I, d- I don't care. You don't like his, his like his music, or his bands is the way I should. I don't love Weather Report. I don't hate them. You like his playing, but you don't like his. his I, yeah, I appreciate Weather Report, but I like I love. I like, I like his songwriting better than I like like some of the records he's he's put out. You know, mm-hmm. and I love and I fucking love the any any of the work he did with Adderley is great. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? For sure. I'm tempted to switch out this one because I, 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 I don't know if I want to do my uh, number five right now. But here, here's what my number five is right now. <clears throat> it's uh, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. It's a good one, bro. Because it influenced so much. It influenced one of my later records, and it also influenced a few of my. Other favorite records, which didn't even make the list, but like some of these songs, I sang with my dad on like well not sang, but like in terms of my top ten, these songs stick out to me because like they're a part of like my uh, my childhood and stuff. Like, wouldn't it be nice? Uh, uh, let's go for a while. Sloop John B. My dad and I used to like go sailing on his boat, and we would just put this record on. There's nothing wrong with anything in that entire record. I no. It's 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 uh what's his name's masterpiece. It is a ma- it's an absolute yeah. masterpiece, and it will feed, become it's on my list. Is what's it? his name? Is it Brian Wilson? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Brian Wilson. Beer beer is the thing, guys. I forget names when I'm drinking, so that's the thing. And yeah, that's my number five. No, it's, a, it's a great record. I mean, Brian Wilson is a genius, and that that record is what is his his opus or something. Whatever his magnus opus. I love. Yeah. What's that movie with John C. Riley? Yeah. Walk, Walk hard. hard, dude. <laughs> I love his pet sounds. Dude. I, I need one thousand didgeridoos. <laughs> <laughs> um, number five. My number five. 
has been mentioned previously. My number five is Sly and the Family Stone stand. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Dance record. Feel good. You know, I don't know what, four number one hits, you know, on the record. There's... Everyday people. So good. <laughs> that was like, you know, theme songs for TV shows. That was like... Oh, they're making bank on that now. Like, yeah. No, he ain't, man. He's like living under a bridge. <laughs> well, somebody's making <laughs> bank on that. That motherfucker's homeless, right? He is homeless. Uh, Smoking crack? Crackhead, yeah. But who owns, who owns all his rights, though? I don't know. Probably his brother. Who knows? I don't know. But it's not... who. So whatever it is, it ain't good for him. But that... I grew up in a house of... The Temptations, the Commodores, Sly, like the good old funk and soul R&B stuff mm-hmm. of the late 60s and 70s. So I remember some of my earliest memories were listening to Sly and the Family Stone and Serpentine Fire for some reason, but <clears throat> that song in general. Sure. Yeah. So we don't need to talk about it again because <laughs> we already did, but that's my number five. That was what? That was your number seven. Seven. We, I just played this like benefit concert a couple weeks ago, and there were three bands, and the band, we played third, and the band before us was playing Sly Tunes, and people were going crazy. Yeah. And these, like, the band was all right. They were cool. <clears throat> you don't even need to play them that well. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. anytime anyone has ever... It's, uh, it's... Oh, okay. I was like, what's <laughs> it's that? It's called the pipes, bro. <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> Hey, Rob is scared. We might be ghosts. This place is haunted, dude. <laughs> your basement is. That's why oh, yeah. Luke won't stay there. But, they, but yeah, anytime anyone plays those tunes, I mean, I, I was crazy. thinking, I was like, what are we going to do after this? We're going to play our original songs that no one wants to hear. Right. You know, and it's like, you can't compete with that. Like, should we play Shout? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, and it's what, 60 years, <laughs> 60 years later? And as soon as those tunes start playing, people just move. They do. I mean, it's like infectious. And, and it it's has like this... stuff you remember. You know what I mean? Because I think because a lot of those songs were used elsewhere, too. You know, it sure, wasn't yeah. just like, you know, if we were lucky enough to see them yeah. in the late 60s or 70s, that would have been one thing. But, like, those songs have, like, grown to be a part of decades worth of human, like, yeah. life. I think that that's the true test for, with any of this, with any of these records that we name. I think is the test of time is yeah. what really separates that can exactly. it can translate to different generations and move people mm-hmm. in same ways that don't necessarily follow cliches and clicks of the time, yeah. but transcends all that stuff. It also says that uh, I was just reading. So Sly is suing his manager for uh, stealing his royalty payments. So that's why he was living in a van because oh, he his, just wasn't getting paid. His manager stole fifty million dollars from him. What? Oh. 20 years of stolen royalty payments. Holy... Well, Stone says he was tricked into signing a contract with his Jerry Goldstein, his manager, in 1989, which gave his manager control of his finances. And then his financial was... uh, He sold his publishing rights to Michael Jackson for for $1 million just so he could become afloat again. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So then what happened after MJ... Decided so, to not not live on this planet anymore. Uh, I have to read some more. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll we'll come back. To, to be that. continued. To be continued. Luke, what's your number five? My number five is uh, a love supreme. Fuck <laughs> yeah, brother! Yeah, yeah brother! <laughs> All right, we're gonna fight about it. Go. Uh, um, I think love I can't. Supreme. I've, 
so awesome. So fucking awesome. It's so fucking awesome. But I think I I got into it like I kind of really got I always loved music and always played, but I really got into music once I heard Derek Trucks. <laughs> what, why? We got some What's funniness going, going on. Some sidebars. I'm just looking at my list and where I love Supreme Falls <laughs> on my list. <laughs> but um, say where it doesn't where it doesn't fall on my list anywhere. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, back. See, please. Yes. Tell me about a love Supreme. Thank you, Jordan. Sorry. Anyway, so I started listening to Derek Trucks, and he would play like he played Afro Blue and My Favorite Things and that kind of stuff. And I didn't know anything about jazz, and I you know still don't know a ton, but. I was kind of like, this is something different, like something else. This is stuff I haven't really heard before. And the way he plays with the slide, obviously, it just is like such a different expression than a lot of the other blues guys, although you can hear where he comes from. Yeah. Well, I, but, mean, I guess like as a guitar player, and to play jazz with a slide is a lot different than like a lot of the jazz guitar players you would hear on that it, Exactly. Right. The approach is unlike it's anyone ever like really. To, yeah, exactly. Or a singer or something. Um, yeah, exactly. So that kind of like got me to dive into a bunch of jazz stuff and things that kept a record that kept coming up was a love supreme and i checked it out and uh you know read a little bit about it how like he was all you know screwed up and uh relying on drugs and all this stuff and kind of like hold up and then came out with these compositions and stuff and burn and ban obviously mccoy do you like mccoy tyner at least well, yeah yeah dude <laughs> relax relax <laughs> but um killer musicians and just the melodies are super simple and it's really loose and i don't know, i like stuff that's loose and i think it just has this like such a spiritual element to it that i hadn't really heard stuff like that before kind of like uh i mean it's present in some of the hendrix stuff that i love and the uh that i had heard at that time rather and the and the Derek truck stuff but yeah the, the record is just and it's short too right it's like 30 minutes it's 32 minutes it's 32 minutes yeah. it's like three songs three or something songs. Yeah, I think it's just it. I think the thing that we talk about a lot is how you you talk about how bebop and things like that can get real competitive, yeah, and kind of real showing and kind of gets off track about just like connecting with people and music. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a great example of a jazz record that is only point is to connect. There's no like pretentiousness in it. Sure. I think, yeah, and that's why I love it. We'll come back to that when I, <laughs> I, when, I that. when I rated on my. Look forward to talking more about it. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. So <clears throat> number four, my number four is Shades of Deep Purple by Deep Purple. Hell yeah. So, so this this record has Hush on it, which was like the biggest Deep Purple tune of all of all time. And uh, I love what year? Uh, Sixty eight. Look at that freaking picture of them. Dude, so right? ridiculous. Right? Yeah. John Lord, dude. So John ridiculous. Lord. Looks like Ron Swanson. Is that Richie Blackmore? Right. I can't even tell. I th- I think Is that, that Ron Swanson? <laughs> well, so, like, this this record had, like, Where's Amy had, like Hey Joe on it, right? That's a break for the river. Oh, my. Dude, I've never heard. Actually, no. This I podcast is sponsored by the river line. New Jersey river New line. Jersey Go fuck yourself. Yeah, so, so, I... I'm an organ player, and John yeah. Lord is <laughs> John Lord is the reason why I started playing organ. Honestly, like I love Jimmy Smith, I studied him in college and everything, but like this record turned me on. And again, this is one of my dad's records turned me on to to rock organ, um, Hush, Mandrake Root. 
they, 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 they do a version of the Beatles' Help, which is like slow and dirgy and kind of like very psychedelic and fucking it's a shit. And they, they do Hey Joe on this record. It's so good. Um, have you seen, Luke, have you seen the, the video of Deep Purple Live at the Playboy Mansion? Yeah. Where they're, they're all wearing like, yet. you guys have checked, check us out, Google it or YouTube it. Um, Deep Purple Live at the Playboy Mansion, they do like, I think they do Hush, right? Yes. And they're all wearing like these like plush, like yellow, pink suits or whatever. It's like, it's like 67, 68, you know? And all these girls are like hanging out with them, and they, they look so nervous. Yeah, you know, but like, but like that era of Deep Purple was the shit. Like that was when like we we moved on from the piano, we moved on from like the blues, you know, like doo wop era, and we had like psychedelic, like Vanilla Fudge, yeah, and Deep Purple, and like that shit. Like that's when the Hammond organ like became like a thing in yeah. rock and roll. You know what I mean? Such a beast of an instrument. It's Fuck ridiculous. yeah! Dude. It's like a freaking tidal wave. Like. Fuck yeah! And and like that yeah, that when record they played it. You know, yeah, yeah. We, we'd run it through Marshalls. And yeah, stuff, and like, they put the volume pedal all the way up. It, yeah, there was never no, move like, it. Never move <laughs> it. <laughs> Leave it. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And, and John Lord, John Lord replaced the amplifier in his Leslie with a Marshall with a Marshall head. And, he, and like, yeah, we were talking about that like a rest stop in Connecticut yep. or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, like that that shit. Like no one was doing that. Until until Deep Purple did that, and this record, Shades of Deep Purple, like brought that to the forefront. So like, yeah, I played the shit out of that record when I when I was like in high school, and I love that record. And it's, it's like Richie Blackmore and John Lord, and then like it's a different lead singer than everyone knows. You know, it's not it's not the guy that sang Smoke on the Water and all that shit. Mm-hmm. It's like a different Deep Purple, but like John Lord was like he was the forefront of that band at the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like all about the organ at that point. So well, well, and Richie Blackmore. Well. <laughs> oh, sorry, and Richie Blackmore. No, no. And uh, what's the drummer? The lefty Ian Pace. Ian Pace. Ian Pace. Yeah, he was in the band then too. Freaking what animal? Crazy. Is not that dude's crazy? Yeah. The funny about the Playboy uh, video, the yeah. at the mansion. I always that's when they're like they're playing and they've got these huge stacks and they get these women like. Literally sitting like two feet from it. I'm just thinking like they must have been deaf. Like the next, yeah, day. they were just How? so high. John, John, John Lord <laughs> is like just taking, taking a solo, it. and there's like this hot like yeah. play, Playboy bunny just sitting by him. Just like I'm like that shit must have been ridiculously right. loud. Can like, you ima- can you imagine being them and <laughs> yeah. playing? Oh, we're playing the Playboy Mansion. No big deal. <laughs> On Monday, you, you guys cool? Yeah, they were all so high. I just watched a little bit of the video, and he was just like. Picking his guitar up, put it on like everything was cool. Like <laughs> right. wearing a velvet suit with sunglasses on inside some like dark ass room in the mansion, yeah. with like definitely like a fuck party going on, <laughs> right? In the other room, you know. Yeah. Like, Who's the lead vocalist? What was his name? Uh, Rod Evans, I think. Right. He, he was kind of the mainstay guy. I don't really know. No. Well, so so like Ian Ian Gillen. Became yeah, became oh. the main lead singer, but Rod Evans was the lead singer on this on this record. When did he leave? After this record, oh, okay. or, well, they, I think they had the the Book of Talisman came out. I think, but I don't know if it was after or before. But like after this record, then it was Ian, Ian Gillen. That's Ian Gillen. Fucking not. That's Ian, Ian Gillen. Great, I love it. Head. I love it. So <laughs> Ian Ian Gillen was the, the smoke in the water space truck, and that was Ian Gillen. Ah. 
Shit's funny. Yeah, dude, so when do we get to the 70s, dude? And also, deep, deep purple. Like, this record <laughs> with the heart. Oh, dude. Dude. Deep purple, brother. Hey, real quick. Real quick. Another video you guys got to watch. Uh, Hell or High Water, Deep Purple, live in concert. It's right before they broke, they, they, they part a ways with Richie Blackmore. Richie Blackmore was fighting with John Lord, the organ player. There's one point where they're doing Highway Star. Yeah. And uh, Richie Blackmore's in the middle of his solo. And it's like a composed solo. It's not an improvised solo. He's doing like this line, and, he's supposed to play, and John Lord harmonizes it with him, right? So they're like playing this harmonized line, and Richie Blackmore stops playing picks his beer up and throws it at John Lord and just hits him in the face with fuck. Oh, wow. Because they were like, they were, he was like, I'm, I fuck you. I'm, and they, they fired him after that tour. But oh, jeez. Like, well, I they, can't imagine why. They hated each other yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Rock and roll, baby. Anyway, here's my number, number four. Number four. <laughs> Sorry. The Beatles, the magical mystery tour. Fuck yeah, dude. Oh, Good yes. record. Yeah, dude. That's my, uh, that's my number four. There's so many classic songs on this. The only reason why it's so low on my list because like low? I think four high. is low well, for them, but no, no, it's low for me because like, oh, really? I, like all they have so many great songs in this record, but I have a few personal fav- favorites on the top. Um, but like Fool on the Hill, Magical Mystery Tour, Blue okay. Jay Way, I Am the Walrus, Hello Goodbye, Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane, <laughs> Baby You're a Rich Man, All You Need Is Love, Jesus Christ, these are all hits that everybody oh, knows. That's the you're thing. Speaking to me, the, like. <laughs> <laughs> I love this record so much. <laughs> so do I. It's like every song you know, but it's not. But it's see, it's 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 this record changed my life. You know what's funny? We we we've talked about like your favorite record, but we haven't talked about like like records that like sequence perfectly. This record, yeah, it's, it's not even a re- it's not even like a record. It's like one song. It feels that way, right? Yeah. It just feels like you're at a not a concert, but like it's one thing. Yeah, and they they orchestrated it's like it. A play. And it's perfect and. The only reason why it's so low is because I have some other favorites up top, above it. But like, there are so many great songs that aren't overplayed in the rate on the radio or in movies or this, that, the other thing. This this record's like the Beatles record that doesn't get enough press as it should compared I, to all yeah, the others. Dude, I, I hate to even admit I'm just now kind of starting to get into the Beatles, and I like them, but I never really dug in. But I that's just, actually great. I pulled I it up, and I've ne- I've heard of these tunes, but I've never heard of this record. You've never heard of the record in sequence before, right? You've heard all the singles, but you never heard of it. Uh, I probably haven't even heard all the songs. You should, I, I know a lot of them. I'll but. tell you what, like the White Album. <clears throat> I, I I have a rough time with the White Album because like some a lot of the songs I just don't connect with, but this album. Great. What do you like about the song? Like what these songs is in particular? It the mel- or like the it's lyrics? Like, or it's the Beatles stepped out of what they were. I mean, they have Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and that was one thing. But this was like them stepping out even further. Is that yeah. that? This is after that. This is after. This right? was, Correct. This was like eight months after. Right, but well. even even that short amount of time, it, the songs are way better. The arrangements are way cooler, and the 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 um the uh, arrangements are awesome, and the. Not to mention the vocal orchestrations, especially with like "All You Need Is Love" and this um, this record awesome. was was like a circus of of absolute like accuracy. Like they came up with these ideas for this record, and and this is all four track recordings, right? You know, so it's like they would just like play this simple song that they wrote, like on acoustic guitars and that, you know, they'd all get together and, in you know, in one room and they'd play it and they'd get it good. And yeah. then, you know, then they'd record again, like on track two and just the, the sonic, like 
synchronicity between the four of them, but with their ideas was insane on this album. Yeah. And it was like, you know, Sgt. Pepper's was such an influential album to Brian Wilson. Yeah. You know, that influenced Pet Sounds. Mm -hmm. You're like, holy shit. Like, that's crazy. Or no, no, it was the opposite. I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, I said... (laughs) Rubber Soul influenced Pet Sounds. Pet Sounds influenced Sgt. Pepper's. Pepper's. That's what I said earlier. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, no. I, I just watched. Coors the, Light's a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coors brother. Light. Coors Light. And, uh, Drink, brother. But I just, I, I think like the way this album starts, and it just never stops. Yeah. It just goes. Yeah. And it Is like it continue. Like it's they it's con- it's yeah. They bleed oh. into everything. There's no wow. there's no real stopping. Um, did the is it the first time that's kind of happened or was I know mm, Sar- Sergeant Pepper's was like that. Sergeant Pepper's had bleeds. But were the Beatles the thing? Were the- not the whole thing. I know it does a decent amount. I, I wasn't sure if it was the whole thing or not. This might have been like the first Beatles record that bleeds throughout the whole thing, but I know it doesn't stop. It's it's a it's like a play. It's like yeah. you know, it's like. Do you, well, hold on. Actually, you probably might know this. Do you have the the vinyl of this? He does. So <laughs> do you have yeah. the box set. Uh, yes, I do. Um, where's the break? Where's the break? Uh, is it between? Is it after I am the Walrus or before? It's after I am the Walrus. Because I and the Walrus is a fade out. This is for my next one, but okay. I, the I and the Walrus is a fade out at the end. Okay, so it's I'm the Walrus. Then because the, the I and the Walrus is smokes pot. There's smoke. Everybody yeah, smokes yeah, pot, yeah, and it yeah, fades yeah. out, fades out, right, fades right, out, right, fades right. out. And then I think was it Fool in the Hill or something's after that. Fool in the Hill is second. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that yeah, that's my number four. That's that album is. I'm telling you, Luke. Oh my God. Just do you have a record player at home? No. Oh. Well, even just put on your Spotify, grab your bottle of wine or whatever. Just enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? Are yeah. you a big wine no drinker? Right no, this Rob is, because, Rob is you know, that stereotyping. No, 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 right no, Ty, no, I like Ty, to drink wine. I'm just saying we could do that. Together. The singer, the singer of the Groove Merchant, was like, "Yeah, for some reason, Luke sent me a video of him listening to like classical music, and he's drinking a bottle, a glass of wine, just on Snapchat." And I was like, "Okay, that's weird." Dude, I like to clean my records. Put on Charlie Parker and drink red wine. I like Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Says Deep Purple Man. What's your number four? My number four, and it was really hard to make a number four and not a little bit higher, but again, the 60s is tough. Jimi Hendrix, Axis, Bold as Love. Yeah, dude. That easily could have been number one. I think I agree. this was such a big deal for Hendrix. He was so young. Um, no, he's my well, pretty younger. He was three years younger. Yeah, yeah. So he's twenty-four. Well, he died when he was twenty-seven, right? Yes, so he's twenty-four. So he was twenty-four years old. Wow. Do you know what I was doing when I was twenty-four? <laughs> not this. Not that. <laughs> Definitely not that. <laughs> and I guess that's probably all I should say. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, so you know, you have Little Wing, which fuck yeah, <clears throat> what a great song. Sure. But like, if you look back at like older, and not not even older, like it's it's not like Hendrix was playing and putting out records for ten years. It's three years, you know, it was three years of records, and this was like his fourth record. Um, but like all his old records were like blues records with his like style, and they were like a little psychedelic. Well, wasn't this his second record? His first record was already experienced. So he only he only had three records. Was this? Well, I thought, it, it, was this the third record? This is the second one. Okay, so I yeah, was wrong. He actually had four. Was that? The fourth one. Was, 
Third was Electric Ladyland. The fourth was Okay, I thought it was the opposite. Yeah. Um, But, okay, so that's even crazier that from Are You Experienced to this, like how much maturity in the playing and the style of writing changed. Totally. Like the song Bold is Love is like an anthem. Oh, yeah. And like... And so, well, I mean, you're talking about continuity things like bleeding, like when the... Uh, the vocals of the song and it goes into the guitar solo thing, like right. the phase on the drums and yeah. all that shit goes into yeah. It's it's like it's I don't know this this record was like I I liked Hendrix but because people told me like oh hey Jordan you're a guitar player you have to like Hendrix mm. but I'm but I'm a singer and like I don't like the way he sings mm-hmm. so I I really pushed Hendrix away for a long time like yeah. in my like early days like in my teens mm-hmm. and then I kind of like went back to the basics I think like yeah. you know oh I want to listen to like all this complicated stuff that I can't play you know that I like I'm just not there so like maybe I should listen to Hendrix again so I was like <laughs> listening to bands of gypsies and that was cool cuz that was like a roller coaster ready, waiting to like fall off the track. <laughs> yeah. And I like that. That's how I play. Yeah. You know, but then I listened to this and I was like, Oh my God, this is like a man that knows what he's doing. Yeah. And like, he really used the studio as an instrument as well. He obviously can play the shit of the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. There are but his creativity. That, yeah. No, but yeah. he like used it in his favor and like the, the craziest way possible. And like it, it shows on this record. I, I wish I could have put it higher, but there's like so much more. But yeah, that's that's mine. Hey, before we uh, continue, do you, Jordan, do you consider yourself a singer or a guitar player first? I don't know, man. Artists don't have to define this. Whoa. Well, no, he Whoa. said he, he just said he considers himself a singer, <clears throat> and I was just curious what he considers himself now. I I I'm a, I consider myself a songwriter. I I kind of like I don't know. Playing with Hambone Relay, I'm a guitar player. <laughs> I guess it's good to have lots of riffs. To not be <laughs> lots of riffs. Exactly sure of that answer though, because you're yeah, obviously multifaceted. Like, then you know, I mean, I I feel like I kind of like I've, I've known Mark Brown for ten years, but sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I've known Mark Brown for ten years, but That's I really like kind of got you know like came into the, this room because for recording the vocals for the Let's Go Get Stone track. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. like, and then, like, when I moved to Philly in April, anytime there was a Hambone show that I could ride my bicycle to, I was like, hey, yeah, you let me sit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? On a song or two. And, like, obviously we'd play Let's Go Get Stone because I was on the record, but, you know, like, hey, I know all these other songs, like, throw something at me. Mm-hmm. And then it all just worked out. I was like, well, hey, like be you know why don't you just like play the guitar so i don't know i i think i am a singer but i also don't like i don't want to be just a singer in a band i don't know what to do with my hands yeah <laughs> yeah I, I would always think that would be so cool. like when i when i sat in with, on your birthday when i sat in with you guys on my yeah. birthday you had a drink in your hand i had i had <laughs> an empty gl- i had an bro. empty glass in my hands <laughs> I, there wasn't even anything in it but i held it Cause like I've like you know held microphones and shit and like been funny, but it was also <laughs> the song "Born to Be Wild," so like it didn't fucking matter. And it's Steppenwolf, and like everyone thought it was like funny because it's like you guys play like these fucking awesome funk songs, and it was like, ugh, 
Fucking born to be wild. No one saw that coming. I thought that was like rocking as shit. Damn right. That's exactly yeah. why I was like, my only request for my birthday is born to be fucking wild. That was a good, that was a good call, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, yeah. Axis Portals Love. That's my number four. Born to be wild. <laughs> we didn't even get to the good part. Like the, the Tom thing. <laughs> I think I'll go with my number four is. Uh, Wheels of Fire. Fuck yeah. Cool. And I think what I gravitated towards most was the live stuff. What was mm-hmm. it? It was like a three or two side or whatever. Yeah, there's well, there's it's a three it's a three record album, right? There's three sides total. Yes, I think. And the third side is Crossroads, Spoonful, and Toad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I gravitated towards the live stuff because. I don't know. It's only been now, the past couple of years, I've kind of gotten into songwriting and mm. listening to lyrics and vocal. Well, I always have loved vocalists, but back then it was just like I just waited till the guitar player started playing. To be honest, I don't know. That's what I like. <laughs> so that. when it was like 15 minutes, I air clapped in and, you know, was, that's what I liked. This is Cream, right? Or this is Cream? Cream, yeah. This is Cream. Okay. okay. And what year is this? I think that was 68. I'm telling you, a lot of these records we've been picking are 68, 69. Late, late 60s, for sure. Late 60s yeah. were insane. 68. Yeah. Well, and like some of the stuff that we've said that were that were earlier in the 60s are like stuff like Sam Cooke. Yep. You yeah, know, like it you was still like, coming there was out a, of right. jazz, jazz pop, pop doo-wop, jazz doo-wop. Doo-wop. <laughs> obviously the British the British like British yeah, no, the, yeah, the, had a huge impact the, the, on popular like, American the music. Beatles like and I hate to say it, but the fucking Rolling Stones were really the game changer. They were Zeppelin, they, they were Zeppelin. Yeah. Zeppelin was like But but the Stones kinda like, like they were the one the British invasion, you had the Beatles. Course, yeah, the Beatles, but, but that was his pop like, music. Right. But, I wanna but, hold but, your hey 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 hater. <laughs> but I, love, I love that song. I love the Beatles. But like, but like, the, the Stones brought like the the, the straight ahead blues. They did to the to the equation and like, yeah. Before they started writing their own tunes, they were strictly like a blues band. But it was for sure. the Rolling every Stone, single band yeah, we just I mean, talked the about. Blues, yeah. Like the Stones brought like like rock and roll blues, but they brought like sex into yeah. the yeah. mainstream. I, I've said so this be- before, but like, sorry to interrupt, Rob, yeah, but fine. like. Can you imagine being a member of the British invasion? Forget like Hermits, Hermits, whatever. The during the sixties, how much ass you would have gotten? <laughs> dude, it's insane. Saying, dude. No, yeah, just what I've saying. done in my even life. The they do in six weeks, like, right? <laughs> dude, I, I was even Ringo was getting late. Ringo, <laughs> right? Right. Got a song about an octopus. <laughs> I bet a song remember the animals, dude, in the sixties. Anyway, Sorry. Luke, continue. Are we? I feel like we keep interrupting, Luke. <laughs> No, that was off of what what I was saying. Okay. Dude, great record though. It is, but it is like it's guitar forward. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like guitar all the way. Yeah, but what it also f- opened me up. This kind of like to a lot of what uh, Ginger Baker was doing. He did a lot of work with Phil Cootie after this, and uh, yeah. kind of like the African yeah. drumming stuff. So there's yeah. a lot of like dense stuff going on. Phil makes uh, an appearance in my '70s top ten. Oh shit! I'm sure he will. Me too. Spoiler alert. The uh, the Ginger Baker documentary they talk a lot about Fela Kuti, um, and it, it the the drum stuff they talk about is just deeper than, way deeper than I thought it was. And it's just like the oh yeah, interaction between percussion mm-hmm. instruments is just like it's another like 
it it comes from like devotional music. Yeah, like African music, and I think a back to the Love Supreme and all that stuff. It's all devotional. I don't hate John Coltrane. <laughs> it's devotional. The despise John Coltrane. <laughs> I just thought you liked jazz. And a lot dude. of the blues stuff comes from gospel stuff. Right. But it's also kind of like finding your religion within leaving the church and like uh, coming to terms with how sure. you know fucked up slavery. You know yeah, like the no, condition. Yeah. So it's like Haunt, devotional but, music has a special. I don't know. Absolutely makes space. sense. Well, jazz chords. Well, they called them jazz chords, but they came from church chords, and they came from. I, there was another one before that. I call them adult chords. Adult, chords, adult like, chords. Yeah, yeah, no, Wait, what's that diminished chord? No, third well, notes, Yeah, or... so like the, that idiom kind of started from uh, church chords or church music, and then it went to like blues music, and then it went to jazz music. Yeah. And that's kind of how it evolved. It's just funny how, it, how it's all connected. Well, that's it's like all. Western, Western classical music. harmony mixed with like African percussion. Yes. And, and you put those together, and you get jazz and blues yes. and... <laughs> <laughs> you guys just had a moment. Yeah. After you, number right. three. Oh, number three? Yeah. Number three. That's what comes after four. My number three is Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So there were a lot of Beatles records that I wanted to put in my top ten, but I only put one. And it was this one because funny story. My parents I love the Beatles, like the early Beatles, like I Wanna Hold Your Hand or help. Beatles and help. That shit, and like shout like that. That yeah. twist, oh, like twist early, and shout like, like with yeah. the Beatles? Beatles. We're talking about like with oh, yeah. the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. Growing up, I love that Beatles. Yeah, I love that Beatles. So my, my dad, my dad. So so my dad had like Abbey Road and the White Album and stuff, and he and he bought me he bought me Sgt. Pepper's on cassette on cassette, and I love this record. This record turned me on to like. The White Album and Abbey Road and stuff. To what? <laughs> to drugs. Drugs. And to, and to drugs. York, so. <laughs> and, also, and also, I used to go to Chuck E. Cheese a lot when I was a kid. And they had this thing called the Beagles, the animatronics. Oh, yeah. Dogs playing. What's the connection? And yeah. they, played, they, played, they played like every song off of this record. Yeah. So, I mean, so. Shit was, it was the hot shit. So, so when I was like 12... This this album was like my my first like real experience with the Beatles, and then when I went to college, I joined a rock band, and we we played a lot of songs by the Beatles, and we did like Sgt. Pepper's, we did Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, we did Fixing a Hole, uh, we uh, we did uh, Benefit for Mr. Kite, uh, Mr. Kite. What a trippy fucking song. Whatever, dude. right, dude, dude, that and shit also, ain't right. All. <laughs> Like, like kids, right? Like kids, they like were like, oh, I like the Beatles because I listened to "I Want to Hold Your Hand." Then they listened to "Mr. Kite," right? And then they did drugs. Have you have you heard the, the listen to the, both those? Records. Have you heard the yeah. the yeah. Cirque du Soleil thing they did? I rain? saw that shit. It's Dude. rain, right? Uh, no, um, it's uh, love. Okay. Love that shit. I, I haven't seen it live, Vegas. but that record. Dude, I ate acid to that record one time. Oh, I've eaten acid to that record so many times, well, and I've written sorry, so many bro. songs to that. No, that yeah, that love record. That is, record have is you, like. Have you listened to that record? Uh, what's it called? The Love Album. No, it's it's, it's like a it's like a DJ like fucking yeah. mashup so what, style they, thing. Oh yeah, you they, told me about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they took they took like all the all the the original recordings. The bits, yeah. all they, the bits. They like remixed it, remastered it, and it's like. It's like a mashup. Like 
glass onion goes into like come together, goes into get back. Yeah, but glass onion has the music of something else underneath yeah, of it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, dude, it's fucking amazing. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's but you it's have to be high. You have to be high. It fucking blows your fucking mind. Dude. Yeah, dude, I'm saying. Crack a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like on, a, on a serious note, like that record, th- that record made me want to like. I hated like all the Beatles post '66. Yeah, yeah. Post, post like Revolver. I hated. I was yeah. like, oh, my good shit. But like that, Sergeant Pepper's turned me on to all that shit, and Wait. like. Now I love that shit. Now Abbey Road oh, and White Album were on my on my honor bunch. Honor, I can't fucking talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. So like that record turned me on for sure. Hey, oh, sorry. Three, Rob, go. Don't call me number three. Here's a great record. Number three. Number three. Number three. Number three. Number three. Uh, John Coltrane's Coltrane Sounds record. Ooh. Oh wow! Here's you really... why I picked it. Okay, so this is one of the first records my 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 drum teacher in high school gave. T- uh, to me to study. It's called Coltrane Sounds. It's a bunch of uh, jazz standards on it, but it's like, it's amazing. It's Coltrane, it's McCoy Tyner, it's, uh, uh, oh my god. Uh, you want me to Google it? Who's, no, who's no, no, I know his name. Hold on. It's not Tony. Uh, Elvin Jones. I can't remember the bass player. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> Elvin Jones. <laughs> bass players don't matter. We're an organ trio. No, it does matter. <laughs> no, it does matter. I just can't remember. Um, but it's got A Night Has a Thousand Eyes, Equinox, Satellite, all these big time jazz What year tunes. is it? What year is that? I don't remember. My phone's dead. It's like yeah. 65, I think. Yeah. What, what but, is it called again? Sorry. Uh, Coltrane's Sound. It's like a very like uh, – like, uh, like Picasso-y uh, photo of Coltrane. Um, but the record was so good. It was so inspirational. 64. 64? Yeah. But like the way that the, the the piano and the drums interacted along with the saxophone was like monumental to how I listened to jazz records specifically and how how music was interactive. And actually kind of it, it helped and also hindered my playing as a, as a drummer because I was – I got – too interactive, um, and it, it was all aw- it was awesome. I love this record; it's one of my favorites. And what um, year? Sixty-four. It says a year before Love Supreme. Or no, it was the year of Equinox. No, dude. a year before. Dude, we used to play Equinox. Wittrian and I used to play Equinox all the time, dude. That's Mike Wittrian. He's yeah, part bro. of the Army uh, Rock and Roll Band. Hoagie if stands, you want to go look dude. that up. <laughs> but no, seriously, Coltrane Sound. It's one of the best. Jazz records you can find. <clears throat> Giant Steps also came out in the '60s. I just want to give an honorable mention to that because, like, that record is ridiculous. Yeah. So, fun fact: he was recording this album in Atlantic Studios, but he was under contract with Impulse. He had left Atlantic, but was still recording at Atlantic Studios. Oh shit, that's intense. Do you like that's my cool. favorite things? That come out in the '60s. '61. I didn't realize that's that. The same. That's I love the, my favorite thing. That's with Jimmy Garrett. No, it's not Jimmy, Jimmy Garrett. It's Steve Davis. Oh, know. Steve Davis is on this, I think, as well. Uh, yeah, Elvin and McCoy are just ridiculous. Are, I mean... And then if you listen to McCoy Tyner's record, I, it oh, was, yeah, didn't make McCoy. my top ten. The Real McCoy is yeah, one of phenomenal. the best jazz yeah. records. Is that, 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 yeah. like that you wanna be my lover, wanna no. be my... No. So. <laughs> Actually, you know what I just listened to? No. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Why? 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 But no, it's not that. <laughs> I'm so mad at you. Uh, the real McCoy. That's where they got the name. 
Uh, if you want to listen to a legit jazz record, check out Coltrane Sounds or, or The Real McCoy by McCoy Tyner. McCoy Tyner is a beast. Uh, is he around still? Is he alive? He's, He's still alive. alive. He still came alive. to the Kimmel right at the end of when I was in college. So that would have been 2012. So I'm not sure if he's around. But, I mean, definitely check him out. Sorry. Jordan with ballads his number three. Sorry, that same lineup. Ballads, if you heard that. Oh, they had the from, same quartet yeah. crew for that whole... I mean, that's one of the best bands of all time, I think. Uh, yeah. Argue... You know what's funny? Speaking about jazz records that should be making the top ten... All those Miles records in a silent way. Um, oh, the yeah. My Funny Valentine. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 the one you like, uh, Spanish. Um, sketch. Sketch, sketch of Spain. Spain. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was nice. Almost, almost made my list. Those okay. records are ridiculous. They should be making these these uh, top tens, but like they're, well, but to what we play and what we love, it's it's it, not. It's so hard. But like we're, you're going by your influences versus what like you grew up with, right? Versus what you studied, you yeah. Know, like. That's, like, that's what makes this like why that's exactly why we're all sitting here doing right. this. And this is actually awesome because we're like we've never we've never like talked about this. No, this is great. No, and we all come from like very different backgrounds of very like true. listening. Very true. Jordan yeah. with his number three. Go. And it's cool to see like when people discover different things. Right for sure. You know, or like the Beatles. I'm kind of just. Starting to oh, I can't and that most you guys the Carpenters, no uh, big deal. <laughs> is that your number one? Is that what's coming? Is that we just want to expect? You should come over, Luke. We'll build that pedal board and we'll All listen right, to Magical hey, Mystery. You're making a pedal board. Vinyl. You 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 have a vinyl. I, I have a shitload of vinyl. Let's, let's get together and have a vinyl night. What are you yes. guys doing after this, dude? <laughs> how much grand funk do you have? You have some grand funk. Oh, I have for? so much grand funk. So you have live. Oh hell yeah! And, you know, I have the one that looks like a. Fu- it's round. It's like the case is round. It's like a silver dollar. Oh fuck yeah, dude! You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. like it's not a square mm-hmm. thing. Yep. You know, I don't know what record it is, but I have it. My dad do, loved grand funk. Do you have? Do you I don't have, know what record. Do, it is, do but you I have the live? The, the grand. It's just this grand funk live exclamation mark. Yes. Fuck yeah! That record. Shit. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler might alert. be in my top seventy. <laughs> um, is that the one where like the the hands pointing at the, the front no. of the record? Okay. No, it's it's like, it's like you, a live photo. You see a picture of Mark Farner with his shirt off. Yeah, it's a live photo. With his shirt off. He's like, and it's like black with like white. White text. It's sex. It's sex. It's sex. It's sex. It's sex. It's sex, bro. I've been drinking whiskey. Sorry. I, no, you've been drinking scotch. <laughs> That's whiskey. That's scotch whiskey. Scotch whiskey. Scotch whiskey. Uh, number three, Jordan August here, Palmyra, New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> Palmyra, New Jersey. From Palmyra, um, New Jersey. My number three is John Coltrane, A Love Supreme. <laughs> Coltrane Brothers, God number three. <laughs> I love it. It's good. It's a good record. And, I mean, we talked about it a lot. I think this record, this is this record was like was like jazz is too much for me. I'm a simple man. I come from oh, a very. I, yeah. <laughs> don't. I'm not quoting Skinner. Fuck you. I almost <laughs> did. <laughs> Mama I, told me. I grew up in a very simple family of like blue collar workers in Baltimore City. Jazz was like not something we listened to. Like Commodores, Temptations. That is like the jazziest you would get. So like when I heard a Love Supreme, that was like. For me, it was jazz for everyone. And it's not like you said, it wasn't like the pocket, mm-hmm. but like the music was the pocket. Sure. It wasn't in the pocket, but the music was the pocket of like right. simplicity for right. everyone. How did you like get into it? What made you 
think to listen to that record what what spawned the um the inspirationalism the, my like there was a woman down the street from me she was like this old black lady and she was kind of like the boss of the block like she would like she would you know like if you came home from school like you'd go to her house before your parents came home and she was listening to John Coltrane mm-hmm. and Sam Cooke and Ray Charles and all that stuff yeah. and that was like the first time like that I heard John Coltrane but I like didn't get it and then like when I was older and like we came back to the neighborhood like she was like I think you would like this record and she like handed me a vinyl I was like that's so cool and I was like that's oh a cool story. That's and I, cool. like and I like I started collecting vinyl when I was really young so it was like I definitely want this that's real cool yeah you know and like I still hadn't really like I'd listened to like Charlie Parker and I had like when I would like dig through crates of vinyls and you could find like people like giving away vinyl on the side of the street in Baltimore City. I would just take all the records and I would listen to them. I didn't know what it was. It was like box, <laughs> fucking third symphony in F flat. You know, right. like all this right. bullshit. F flat's not even a thing. Sick, That's bro. F. It's a thing. And, and so it was like, it's I you know I was listening to stuff I didn't want to listen to, and <laughs> nerd. <laughs> So that's you know that's kind of how I got onto it. But it's a cool story. When I was older, I love Supreme became like my go-to like jazz record. Yeah. So that's my number three. Luke, give me your number three. I think for this one, I'll say in a silent way. Oh no way! Yeah, Yeah, dude. Uh, I think in the same vein that I got into jazz or more jazz oriented stuff, like through Derek Trucks, like kind of introduced me to a lot of that stuff. So I. Listen to uh, I Love Supreme and it kind of spawned that like late 60s stuff and the kind of freakier shit, you know. I, <laughs> like, listen, I was like, I had never, I didn't even know this shit existed. And when I heard like In a Silent Way and Bitches Brew and things in that vein, I was like, what is going on? Like, what <laughs> had there, you're not allowed to do this. Like, Miles Davis is a jazz trumpet player, but um, he's like, I don't give a fuck. And I was, yeah. And I was looking for stuff in the sixties that I liked the best, but Bitches Brew came out in seventy. Right. Also jo- Joe Zominal on keyboards and organ. On yeah. And he wrote Fuck in a silent way. Fuck, yep. Fuck yeah. Which is all awesome. and he's, he's he wrote that shit. song? Yeah. He wrote the standard? Yeah, he wrote that. Oh I didn't know that. He's a fucking shit. And it's just like the approach to the entire record was so cool and so uh different and it was kinda like blasphemy to the jazz community. I mean Teo Macero, whatever his name is, a producer, was cutting up tape and, and Splicing up solos, nothing that is like a huge no no. You don't do that shit. You don't do that in the jazz world. But that was the whole record. That and Bitches Brew and all, and there's huge edits and just, I don't know, the thing, like in its entirety, just conjures up this like vibe that I was unfamiliar with and just kind of really liked it. And it also rocks at the end. It really does rock. It does. And also Santana, I got real into Santana and he used to play in a silent way Mm -hmm. with his band. Mm -hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. So. Back to Santana. Was it the Woodstock band that was the band that ended up becoming the band for Journey? No, I think it was later? after. I think what's his name? Uh, not Neil Sean, is it? The, wasn't the keys the, player the guitar player? Oh, yeah. it was the guitar so, player. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was in. It was the band after that. Like he did a Braxis and Santana two and stuff. And I think okay, that's why I was confused. I think that's I think when those guys started coming in. Okay. I'm I'm pretty I'm not positive, but I think it was later. Right it was that was later. a rumor I heard. Yeah, it was later. Yeah. Anyway. Mark so that, Brown. It's mine. Number two. Number two. Mark twos, bro. Number two, bro. Zeppelin two. 
Ah. <laughs> yeah. I got two Zeppelin on my top ten, dude. That's cool. I mean, for the, I don't blame that guy's you. great. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that guy, that guy. I love, I love Led. So he's a good dude. So like, I was torn between Zeppelin one and two, but like, there's all the songs on. There's not one song on this record that isn't like a classic. Like that. It's like a greatest hits record. Yeah, for but, sure. But it was just a normal record. Yep. It's like. And you guys know the like the the I learned this, I learned this in, in uh, recording class in college. You, you know, in, I think it's a whole lot of love. Where like at the end, where he he like, woman, you know, and like like you you hear his delay before yeah. he sings. Mm-hmm. So that was a mistake. So when you that was recorded on two inch two inch analog tape. When you store tape, you have to store it tails out, which means you fast forward it to the end of the tape and store it on the on the. They stored it tails in, which means they they rewound it and stored it, and like the the audio bled through. Okay. The tape, so you're hearing his delay before a half a second before it actually happens. That's kind of cool because they they fucked up. In the photography world, we call that a happy accident. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> but like, so like, so that that record to me, like like Jordan said, it's like it's like a greatest hits. Like like, there's not a song on that tune. There's not a song on that tune. There's not there's not a tune on that record. <laughs> this number two is brought to you by Doers, Doers White Label, White Label Blended Scotch Whiskey. <laughs> there's, there, there's not a record on that. There's not a record on that song. <laughs> record on that song. Ah! Oh, shit. There's not a song on that record that isn't like a fucking hit, dude. Like that was the second record I was ever given as a child. Really? What was, was, the, what was the first? Not Led Zeppelin one. My 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 number two that's coming. <laughs> oh shit! Spoiler alert. But like we didn't like see it. that record. Like Heartbreaker, Whole Lot of Love, Lemon Song, Moby Dick, Black Dog, Black No Black Dog's four. Okay, that is on four. Okay. But like you're right, 70s. That record, thank you. That record's fucking amazing, dude. I have that. I have. The, I have that shit. That again was my 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 dad's copy and vinyl, and that shit was amazing. So and that's my number three. Right. Two. 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 Two numbers. Math. <laughs> Math. Beer. Math. Alcohol. Hey, here's my number two. This is Rob Tate speaking with his number two. It's the band music from Big Pink. Shit. When I first heard call. the song Tears yeah. of Rage. I loved it, but was when that I 69? heard it was, uh, you have to look at my phone's dead. That's right. um, uh, when I heard Ray LaMontagne and John Mayer do it, I cried like a little baby. Like that song <laughs> was amazing. <laughs> the whole album is amazing. Done. It's the first record that the band did. And, Sixty-eight. And Bob Dylan like helped write with them. A few tunes are credited to Bob Dylan, and um, like Wheels on Fire is on there. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Tears of Rage. It's it. Uh, um, you know what? My phone's dead, so I don't know yeah, the songs offhand. But like, here, yeah, yeah. He's got the list here. Here, let me see. Yeah, Tears of Rage, The Kingdom Come, In a Station, The Wait. The Wait. Are you kidding? Yeah, Long White Whale, Chest Fever. <clears throat> like, I Shall Be Released. Oh my God! Like how, all these songs are classics. Chest Fever, dude. Are we gonna cover that shit or what? Dude? Well, I don't know. Are you a man enough to cover it? Dude, I got that Pussy. shit, bro. Um, look, so, <laughs> look at me, bro. <laughs> I got that shit, bro. Um, anyway, so if you're listening, we are having the band night in Charlottesville at the Whiskey Jar. We are actually on the third Saturday in December. December. Uh, make sure to come out and hang out with us. Um, Am I on that good? 
Yep. <laughs> I need a song list. <laughs> we have to make we have, it. We, we haven't even talked about it yet. Um, so. but yeah, I can definitely play Shape I'm In. Um, but anyway, so like and the, way the reason it's Cripple Creek. Hold on, here I I gotta get my reasons, Press. bitches. So, bitches, am I right? So like <laughs> am I right? the reason that this this album made it to my number two, I didn't expect it to make it to my number two, but all the songs are arranged perfectly. There's nothing I would change. All the lyrics are fantastic, um, and it's the first record that the band did together at Big Pink, and it. It's probably my favorite, not the band, but band record. Do they like do other, like a like band? Arranged by a band yeah, yeah. album. Do they, do they do other records at Big Pink? No. No, well, no. unless you count, um, uh, uh, what's the thing they did with Dylan? Basement tapes. Basement tapes. Okay. Other than that, that, was no. before that. Right, but I mean, they released it way later. Yeah, but that well, wasn't it was in them. tapes, but they but released it. wasn't it. them. That wasn't yeah. just the band. True, true. That was all Dylan music. But this is, I mean, like Dylan wrote the last two tunes, three tunes. No, There's two tunes. Oh, two tunes. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like th- this record is like my favorite band record from this era. Not the band, but band record, and all the tunes. If if you haven't listened to it. I really recommend it. Yet another band record that gives Levon Helm zero writing credits. Seriously, yeah. Well, in his doc, not his documentary, in his biography, he talks about his relationship with Robbie Robertson, and that Robbie did write a lot of the lyrics, but Levon would provide a lot of the history, the context, the, the information, melodies. the melodies, and it's hard because like. I don't. I feel we like we weren't there. Nope, nobody was there. I feel like as a songwriter, like I can write lyrics all day, right? And words on paper don't make any sense until you put them to music. Yeah, and that is the hardest part, man. Is like I have pages of lyrics that are being unused because I just don't know what to do with them. Yeah, like and for Levon Helm to come up with a melody. You know, and music most of the time too. That's that's like, as the drummer too. You know, like he's playing yeah. drums, doing the yeah. melody. If you go watch, uh, is, I think it's up on Cribble Creek. You can tell that he's like the leader of that band, like as a presence. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know what I'm talking about? The yeah. live in that like yep. that little uh, cabin or whatever it is. How did how did like Robbie get get the credit for all? He that put shit? in the copyright. His dick was bigger. I no, don't no, know. no, no, no. <laughs> like legit, he put in the copyright. Wow, that's crazy. He wrote the lyrics. Yeah. For some reason, there was a miscommunication. And even Levon said it in his documentary. It was just, it was never, we didn't understand. Yeah. And everybody was doing drugs and shit at the time. So. Yeah, it was a party. They, I mean, they, they like, they weren't a band, you know? They were somebody's band. Yeah. You know? And then all uh, of a sudden, what was it? Um, Who Do You Love? It was uh... Hawkins, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Who was, uh,. Who Not Stephen Hawkins. <laughs> Stephen Hawkins. Who do you love? Um, <laughs> who do you love? I don't know. Who, who <laughs> we're, all, we're all was, going to hell. That, I've been there. I've been on the list for years. Mm. It's uh, <laughs> see you there, brother. <laughs> I hope the hot sauce is good. Um, shit. All right. Anyway, that's my number they two. I stand by it, Jordan. It's one of my favorites. Uh, my number two. The Beatles' Magical Mystery Tour. Yes. Uh, yes. It was the first record I was ever given as a kid. Oh, shit. And I was young. And that 
that album changed my life. I would not be sitting here right now if if I did not hear that album when I heard it. Mm. If I had heard it five years later, wouldn't be here. If I heard it ten years later, I wouldn't be here. Like that, I had never heard music like that ever. Like I don't think I had even heard Sgt. Pepper's yet. Wow. Like I, I can see like, that because I listened to this record before her Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, and yeah. like my father is like the biggest Beatles fan that I know. Right. Like if you know if he, if he could pick one band to listen to for the rest of life, it would be the Beatles. And I get that, but like that this record alone. Did it come out before Sergeant Pepper's? Or no, it came out right after. Right after. Yeah. Like something you said like, eight months. Something like eight months. Yeah. After. Yeah. Which is also fucking crazy. Like well, they weren't touring at that point, right? So no, they can't tour. They they, they just, couldn't play their music live. Right? Technology yeah. didn't exist then for what they were doing in the studio. They were, I mean, they were like the most crazy. Like there was Pink Floyd, and well, not quite, but you know, like there was no one recording like them at the yeah. time. Yeah. And what they were recording, they could not. It was like I want a thousand didgeridoos. <laughs> That's what the Beatles were doing. You know what I mean? They were like, I want fucking eighteen people in this corner singing the end of the song. Yeah. You know, like it just didn't it didn't work live. And I mean, the last live show that they did was the rooftop sessions, right? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that? that was still after this. It was after it was right. Let it was it right when Let It Be came out. It was like the release of Let It Be. I have to double check that. That sounds right. Yeah, it was like it was on top of Apple Records. It was like they were just like let's just do the this week. And yeah, it. it was like the week Let It Be came out, wow. and they hadn't done a live show for a long time. No, like even when like you go back and you listen to like the Shea Stadium stuff, like like oh what an epic moment! Like if you ever met someone, I've never have, but like the people that are, oh I know this guy that was at Shea Stadium or the guy that's like I was at the Shea Stadium show. How was it? I don't fucking know. I couldn't hear it. Yeah. You know, like, you didn't hear their music. Like, even, like, in documentaries about the Beatles, like, you barely... That, that is, like, the best musical engineer, like, sucking <laughs> sound waves right. out of shit tape to be able to hear anything the Beatles were doing and then, like, bleeding in audience because that's all it was. Like, mm-hmm. Magical Mystery Tour is, like, an opera or a play. It is super psychedelic. It was everything the Beatles were not like how they were like looked at. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. with, with the suit and the tie and the dumbass haircuts <laughs> and the matching <laughs> yeah. guitars. You know what I mean? Like fuck all that. This album is a game changer. It really was. Yeah. It really was. And, and it would have been my number one. But you know what's funny about the. The songs I meant to mention this earlier is that they they work perfectly as a record. There aren't too many singles no off the, the album. And and I, I think that's think, why it works better. And I don't think they intended it for it to be that way. No, they didn't. One, they didn't have to have it be that way. But they definitely did not write this record to have any singles. Well, you know what's funny is like that's the way they worked back then. But nowadays, it's like it's all, that's all it is. It's about singles. I wish people worked harder about like making an actual collection of songs that work together. And have like a like a like a good order and have everything run into each other. I would love that because I I'm I'm an album guy. I love albums. Like <laughs> the too. only band that I can think of right now that does albums that well is Tedeschi Trucks. I was just about to say Tedeschi Trucks. <laughs> and yeah, sure. and honestly, that's the only one that's coming to mind right now. The uh, 
Claypool, Lennon, Delirium. I haven't dove in too much. They are those. also not like a mainstream band, right. but they they write albums. They don't mm. write songs. Yeah, they, but like yeah, specifically Tedeschi Trucks. Those guys, yeah. they write albums. They don't write just the like, only song that work together. The only song like off of Magical Mystery Tour is "I'm a Walrus" that like would you know withstand the test of time yeah. to a stranger. Sure. And but that song is fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. You know. I am the Eggman. Woo! And like and what is that really about? I'm not sure. And I love it. I love yeah. it. I don't know. But that's yeah, that's my number two. Is there like a documentary about how they recorded that song? Do you, do you guys they know? did just put because, out a because I'm yeah, fascinated how they they track that it's, song. for Let It Be. It's 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 got to be let it's either Let It Be or, or the White Album. I think it's Let It Be. They put and out like, a, a documentary for Let It Be. And there's like an anthology thing, like a, a video, right? You know, like when the, when the anthology came out years ago, right. there is like a video about like a lot of it mm-hmm. of being in like in Ivory Rose Studios and like. Sure. How they did it, and like the pictures, and like Yoko being a fucking weirdo in the corner, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like like you know, screaming every now and again. And no, she, she, <laughs> that shit's fucking. I like that shit. Fuck yeah, dude. No, no, you no don't. yes, yes, I no, do. You, you know what? Best, dude. Like weird. <laughs> like, she was like, "This is my art." Oh my god, baby, what you do? And she goes, "You ready?" <laughs> Like, like, that's that's fucking fucking awesome. awesome. Cold up, cold up. That's fucking awesome. That's like painters. Oh, how'd you paint? Oh, how'd you paint? I showed a bunch of paint on my asshole. I don't paint. I like that. I like that. Do you? Do you? You know her farm is right near my parents' house, right? I know. We have to go. We're gonna go to best weed in upstate New York. Talk about Maggie's farm. I'm gonna go to Yoko's farm. All right. Sorry, Luke. Luke, number two. Number two. What do you got? Number two. My number two is shit. (laughs) It is not shit. It's getting better. It is Electric Ladyland. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I could have really chosen all of Hendrix's records. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Band of Gypsies was recorded on New Year's Eve, 1969. Are you serious? Was it really? Yeah. It was released in the 70s. Wait, so it doesn't count. That's why I didn't pick it. Oh. <laughs> yes, it, New Year's Eve. But it was released in the 70s. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Cut it. Good thing that's a cheap mic. <laughs> but it sounds like there's a lot of parallels in the way Hendrix kind of treated the studios the way the Beatles did. I mean, the opening track for this is called And the Gods Made Love. And it's like the wildest, like, ethereal, just far out, like, huge. I love it. Strange That record sounds. is so good, man. Oh, it's all, and then it goes right into Have you ever been to Electric Ladyland? And like, I want to go. It's so fucking good, and the guitar playing is like phenomenal. The composition, so like the, the slow blue voodoo child on it. Like, yeah, that's yeah. like oh, yeah. track. Yeah, it's fifteen minutes long, and it's completely live. And they put it on a record. So good, so unbelievable. So good. Isn't it Steve Winwood playing? Who's? I think it's Steve Winwood playing. Is it, is it, I don't know. I'm really? pretty sure. I, I just bought that on vinyl, like like a new new release vinyl, like remastered, you know? Fucking sounds great, dude. Yeah. So no, good. It's awesome, yeah. yeah. So good. It was. I've heard Stan. Really, that's, that's awesome. And he also, he also has the uh, the regular Voodoo Child that kind of everybody knows right. at right. the end of it. Plays all along the Watchtower, Bob Dylan. Is that the first time he had that on a studio record? Voodoo Watchtower? Child? No, Watchtower. 
Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Hey, you know how I was introduced to a lot of the blues artists that you love is uh, Martin Scorsese's Presents the Blues. Yeah. Like, those records, although you can make fun of it as much <clears> as you want, <throat> they they help me learn about the blues. I love yeah. that. Shit. What do you mean, make fun of the records? Well, people are like, well, you picked, like, all the cheesiest songs. I was like, some of them, yes, but, like... Yeah, oh, oh the compilation, not the compilations. Like Wang Dang Doodle, dude. Wang Dang, no, but like they, I only know about that song because of the Grateful Dead. But they picked they some. Picked that song really well, come on. Wang Dang Doodle. <laughs> is that a Bob Weir song, dude? Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> Martin Scorsese has a whole Jimi Hendrix blues record too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really good. That's not what you're talking about. That you're talking about the. I'm talking about the presents, blues. like the, yeah, yeah, the presents yeah. the blues, and he just put out uh, a new um, documentary about presents country. Which I'm curious yeah, about. I'd like to check that oh out. Oh my god! So my homies, Philly guys, man about a horse, bluegrass band, check them out. Manaboutahorse.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that. Where's out. your Venmo account? Let me see that shit. <laughs> good, that's good. I they were they like had just gotten off tour or something, and like I went and saw them, like you know, in Philly, and they were like. Uh, we need to get out of here. And I was like, dude, I just like, you guys just got back. I want to hang out with you. And they're like, no, like the new documentary about country music just came out. I need to get home and watch it. And yeah, I like, didn't cool. understand. I was like, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Like, okay. Cool, man. Yeah. Right. And then like, I don't know, a week later or something, I was like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm sitting at the computer and I put it on and I like, could not stop watching wow. it. And it's a Scorsese knows how to put together a documentary. No, it's it's like public television. Oh, cool! So it's like you know whatever your cable provider is. We but, will um, not name drop PBS. that. <laughs> but 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 anyway, like you mentioned, a lot of blues artists tonight, and a lot of those records I've learned from Martin Scorsese presents the blues. That's what's really funny. That is cool. It's yeah. like like the, the 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 documentary and the the biography of it all. You That's know who does really a really funny. good blues like history? It's Bill Wyman, the uh, uh, one of the original guitar, guitar players of the the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've been drinking. Sorry, <laughs> but like, like he has like he has like <laughs> he has like he has like a Bill Wyman's presents yeah the blues and it's like that sort of thing. Like he does, he had like he had like a show and like you know what, the BBC or whatever. Whatever British TV show, you know, but like it's like the PBS of England, right? Where he like talk about the blues and like how it influenced like like the British invasion bands, you know what I mean? Yeah, and like it's 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 a lot like the Scorsese thing. Anyway, I love right. it. Peace. I'll have to check it out. It sounds cool. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. So, and that's obviously where Hendrix comes from too. Yeah, I mean, but he he kind of progressed it. I think for I mean the other guys. Were amazing. I love Eric Clapton. Obviously, Wheels of Fire was on my list, but I think the way Hendrix treated his predecessors was different than the way Clapton did. I agree. I have a and question. There's, there's, to me, there's a, big, there's a difference. In How that. do you feel about Disraeli Gears versus Wheels of Fire? This wheels I mean, on they, they have tunes like. <laughs> well, this one they have outside women blues. We play. You know, that, I did that. With Strange you. Brew. Sun, yeah. So, but for Cream, I think it was the live band was the band, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that that's what it was. I agree. Like Anyone for Tennis, you ever hear that tune? <laughs> Anyone for Tennis, wouldn't that be nice? Didn't you guys nice. play that for, Didn't they do the Royal Albert Hall and you guys played that for me? And everyone was like, what the fuck is going on? 
I don't know if I ever heard that line. Well, they they did like their their final show. There was that dude, Tales of Brave Ulysses, great song. Yeah, that's like one of the first uh, introductions to the Wawa Wah pedal. And so I had I had a that's like White Room, <coughs> like that's the better White Room that song. Because <laughs> like White Room is a good song, but like Tales of Brave Ulysses to me is like White Room. It's like White Room. It's very least. similar. Yeah, Swablar, Swab, Swablar, Swablar. Swobalar. Have you ever heard Swobalar. their BBC sessions? No. No. Uh, it's cool. No, I haven't heard it. Yeah, that's good. I thought I, I thought I had it, but no. I, I have the Zeppelin BBC sessions. I have that too. Hendrix has one too. That's really, really? good. Oh. Yeah. Strange right. Brew. That's I have a pitch Okay. Hey, what's up, everybody? So if you've made it this far, and by the way, if you have, you deserve a medal. Congratulations for making it to the uh, two hours and ten minute mark, I think, something like that, um, uh, of listening to us slowly get inebriated and uh, not make any sense at like two in the morning. It's great. Um, but uh, before we do our number ones, I just wanted to uh, go over a couple of other lists from other sources like Pitchfork and Billboard and Rolling Stone, things like that. Of their top 20 lists of uh, albums from the 1960s to kind of see, like, you know, like how, how our lists match up to theirs. Um, and, you know, like, are there some repeats? Are there some, like, deep cuts that we didn't even think about? Did we have some deep cuts? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So here's the uh, Pitchfork, pitchfork.com. Here is their top 20 albums of the 1960s. Uh, number 20, The Stooges, 1969, Iggy Pop. Uh, Number 19, Dusty Springfield, Dusty in Memphis. Number 18, Let It Bleed by the Rolling Stones. I think we had that on one of our lists. Actually, it was on my list. <laughs> um, number 17, Charles Mingus, 1963, The Black Saint and the Sinner Lady. Uh, number 16, The Beatles, Abbey Road, which I believe was in my honorable mentions. Um, number 15, Eric Dolphy, Out to Lunch, 1964. Number 14, Highway 61 Revisited by Bob Dylan, 1965. Number 13, uh, Jimi Hendrix, Electric Ladyland. Uh, Luke just had that as one of his top five. That was number 13 for Pitchfork. Uh, Number 12, The Velvet Underground. None of us mentioned The Velvet Underground, um, probably because none of us really listened to them growing up, but uh, their self-titled album from 1969 comes in at number 12 for Pitchfork.com. Leonard Cohen, Songs of Leonard Cohen, 1967, number 11. Number 10 is Aretha Franklin, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You, 1967. Um, number 9, Miles Davis, In a Silent Way, 1969. Number 8, The Beatles, Revolver, 1966. Number 7, James Brown, Live at the Apollo, that made an appearance on our list. Um... Bob Dylan, number six, Blonde on Blonde, 1966. Number five, this is uh, a great record, but a little surprising, I think. Nina Simone, number five, Wild is the Wind, 1966. But uh, 1965, A Love Supreme, number three. Number two, The Beach Boys, Pet Sounds, 1966. That definitely made our a couple of our lists. And number one... Top 20 albums of the 1960s from Pitchfork.com is The Velvet Underground. The Velvet Underground and Nico, 1967. That's the album with the 
uh, Andy Warhol banana um, on on the front, the the famous iconic album cover. So uh, that's pretty crazy, actually, that that's number one. But uh, there you have it. And uh, now, without further ado, let's uh, bring it back to the boys. Relax, bro. I'm so I'm excited to hear what your number one is. Hear my number one is. No one even expected. Wait, this. should we take guesses? Yeah, take guesses. Hold on, hold on. What do you guess? You, you're, you're not gonna get it. The number sir. one album in the '60s. Skinner. Don't, don't even. Skinner, the Skinner. Probably, Skinner's probably. first album to come out of the '73, dude. Come on. Come on, bro. Come on. You're not getting it, dude. So, d- d- it's impossible for us to get the album. Can we get some artists? Almond Brothers. Jimmy Smith. Nope. Nope. I think it's like a ragtime piano player or like a something like that. Nope. Jerry Lee Lewis. You're the closest. Jerry Lee Lewis. You guys ready for my number one? <laughs> Mark yeah. Brown. Let me hear your number one. My number one is uh, my number one. My number one is Jerry Lee Lewis live at the ah! Star Club, Hamburg, Germany. And let me tell you why. Okay. This album has been hailed by critics as one of the greatest rock and roll albums of all time because. It's and me too. <laughs> You're because we're, now we're because critics. because it's right after. So so Jerry Lee Lewis Hashtag was huge in the fifties. He was so so so. Hang on, hang on. So many levels of this. Go ahead. So, so Jerry Lee Lewis was huge in the fifties, but then he married his cousin. We all know the story. He and he's married, huge his cousin. He married his thirteen-year-old cousin. He went to England. Everybody hated him. Yada yada yada. So th- this was his comeback concert, and it's like him with a band, and it's like. It's a small club. It's like here's this dude that was like selling out like five, six thousand seat theaters, you know, the, the, you know, and then he fucking he like fell, and then he was like rising, and he and he did this he did this European tour after his marriage with uh, Myra Gale Brown fell through, and he he was playing these small clubs. He's sweating his ass off. He's playing all his hits, and the fucking the room was loving it. There's lots of energy. It's Jerry Lewis playing like Great Balls of Fire. A whole lot of shaking going on. The band is kicking. It's good shit. And it's like one of the, in my opinion, it's it's what got me started playing piano. I heard I heard this record. My dad bought me this album when I was like eight on cassette. And it's fucking great, dude. And it's like it's like. You listen to a live album, you know, it's like, like, it's like really raw. It's like, here's these dudes fucking sweating it out in a club. It's like, you hear a live album before a band, like, gets huge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like that. It sounds like that. It's like, but this is Jerry Lee on his, But he like, already been big. He's, he'd yeah. been big. And fell. He's coming down and he's coming back, coming up, back again. up again. You know what I yeah. mean? What's the instrumentation that he has? Uh, it's, it's just him, guitar, guitar, bass, and drums, and piano. Cool. But like, but like you, you listen to like the old Jerry Lee Lewis albums, and his voice sounds really high because he's like eighteen, right? Yeah, he's now like twenty six. His he's like hit puberty. You know, his voice is like not as high. He's like clearly an old, an older guy. You know what I mean? Like, and he's like he's like this gig. Like, the, there's a lot riding on this gig. It's like fuck, my career's like yeah. in the shitter. No, it was like it was like they, they they were recording like all of his shows. He he did like a European tour, like so like in like '59 he went to Europe with his cousin and they were like, oh my god, you married your cousin, fuck, and then like they hated it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, whatever. Anyway, oh, fuck, uh, fuck, I married oh, my cousin, but like, 
But like, so then, like, so his his career had a resurgence. He came. He came, he went back to Europe in like the early sixties. He did a whole tour. They recorded the tour, and this show they turned into a live album. <sighs> you think he made the decision to do it because he thought I, it was? Really I don't good. know who made the decision, but I don't, I don't think he. Did. Like, there's a book written about it where it was like, and I haven't read the whole book, but I've read excerpts from it. And it's like they they like they were recording all the shows, and they were like, his his management were trying to like save his career. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they were like, this shit sounds the best, and they release it, and it was like it didn't do well in the states, but it was like a number one seller in Europe, and it sold a lot of records, and um, it just like you have to listen to it, like. It sounds like a, a guy who's like down on his luck. Fucking, this is my shit. I don't care. Here's some blues. Fucking suck it. Yeah. He, he like it's a, it's a guy who doesn't give a shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it sounds fucking great. It's a, it's a great record. It's sixty four. It's early, yeah. Yeah. So it's like I'll definitely be checking that out. But like, <clears throat> you know, he does like he does what I say. He he does like a like a fifteen minute what I say. Mm-hmm. And he like he does what I say, and he breaks it down. And he gets the crowd singing with him. It's like it's a shit. Mm-hmm. It's like it's what made me want to play piano. That that record for sure. Rob, number right, one. Here's bro. number one for me. Bob Dylan. Really? These times are a changing. Here's why. Here's why. Um, I learned about this album a year ago. Here, but. But number it's, one, I learned about it seven no, months here's ago. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. It's because... Fuck you. So here's why. The man, it's just him. The whole album. It's just him. Playing the acoustic guitar and singing. And I remember listening to this album in my car while I was working. I worked for a delivery company for a second. And I, I, I listened to this record all the time. Yeah, but I was fascinated. Wait, what? Is, the times they are changing? Yeah. Yeah. Three weeks ago. Go for <laughs> No, I'm but not, here's... I'm not giving you shit. I'm just like... I'm, I'm, sure, it's a, I'm sure it's a great record. It's, I love it's that. It's like the Boots only... of Spanish Leather. These times are a change in Ballad of Hollis Brown. I think it's the best Dylan record ever. I do too. It's just him. Right. And the fact you can keep somebody enchanted like me, who I have ADD for sure, but like it's like ten songs... Just acoustic guitar and vocals. Squirrel. Squirrel. Um, and Squirrel. But like, this is the squirrel record. But like, but like, I was enchanted. Right. This is Bob Dylan's masterpiece. No, that's magic. In my like, in my honest opinion, like the way that Jerry Lee Lewis is like, he's fighting for his last, yeah. his last like I need to survive in the industry. This is like Dylan's like second or third record, I think, and it's just him mm-hmm. doing like. Almost demo versions of these songs, but they're enchanting, and you listen to every fucking word. And it's not like it's 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 actual like singing before he goes to to Dylan. How old is he at that point? Uh, I want to say in his lower twenties, but like twenty five tops. Yeah, that that's high. I think that's guessing high. I think you want to say it's like twenty three. But like he had Free Will and Bob Dylan before that. Yeah. And I think he had another record before that too. This might have been either his second or third record. But like, yeah, yeah. So sixty four yeah, was when 64. the record came out. And it let me look at the, the second or third song. Uh, Jordan's got his laptop up. Nobody else can see that, but 
I'm telling you. It's very so, important. <laughs> my phone died. So, uh, Ballad of Hollis Brown, and um, with God on our side, the first three songs are the best folk songs of the early 60s, in my honest opinion. Um, and they should get more credit. Uh, wait, which songs? The first three songs on that record. Times Sounds Are Changing, Ballad of Hollis Brown, and with God on our side, deserve way more credit than they get. I'll definitely be checking I love Hollis Brown, dude. It's a great song. That song is that's hard to listen to, but with God on our side is like... It's almost... He talks about different versions of um, each verse has like a different version of like wartime with like Russia or he Germany. Was and, Jesus Christ, he's so young. <laughs> and, you know, he's starting to get depressing. Well, but like, but like, but, but like, there's so much, there's so much detail in what isn't said, but it's just him. Yeah, it's just him. That's it. And to me, uh, I play drums in Hambone, but like, I I do folk stuff or my own band, but like this. Album speaks to me a lot, and every song on here has a, a pivotal point. And in terms of like running time, and as an album running through itself, it's perfect to me. Some of these tunes are let's cr- like with God on our side, set over seven minutes long. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. and for me, I'm so, enchanted the entire time. Like Bob Dylan was one of those guys, like in, in and I kind of like pointed on it earlier, where long songs are not a thing. Yeah. In the 60s. Yep. Yeah. You know? So it was like King Crimson. Like two minutes, two and a half minutes. You know, like King Crimson was like a big band. Like, instrumentally was big. And had these like seven and a half, eight and a half minute songs. And Bob Dylan was the folk guy. And he was like... And I, and I think I'm I'm the guy this, the same way as like a verse writer. Yep. He just wrote verse after verse after verse like he had stories to tell right but and he, they, he yeah and they were like not about his life they were not not about him like he was so good at coming up with stories about himself like mm-hmm. about you know anything life, yeah about anything and he was were, yeah they weren't like cliched things about love no. and that's the bit about Bob Dylan like, he didn't write cliches ever ever fuck yeah and even when you like you know like so like the basement tapes you yeah know? Like, he kind of wrote, like, they were kind of, like, sort of, like, heartbreaky songs. Or, like, broken heart or breaking a heart songs. You know, like, that was the Basement Tapes. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when the new Basement Tapes came out. Yeah. You know, the, With, when like, they, the half-finished they, songs. Yeah, when they found, like, the book or, like, the box of lyrics from Dylan, they were, like, not that. Yeah. They were stories. Yeah. And it was like... Which, if you haven't listened to the new Basement Tapes, you should def- definitely check out the documentary on Stars and also listen to the record that's on Spotify. That, I mean, that record made me, like, start writing songs again. Dude, the, the Kansas City by Mumford yeah. rejuvenated me. And I know that a lot of people don't like Jim James from My Morning Jacket, but I'm so, uh, Down From the Bottom is the song. Yeah. It's like the first song so on the record. The, the like, song off that, oh! that record was Diamond Ring from Taylor Goldsmith. His, like, he played piano on it. And he's not a piano player, he's a guitar player. I mean, he's just a fucking incredible musician. Right. He plays all instruments, but he, like, they they cut that song, like, they sat down, like, everyone learned the song, like, for, like, a quick practice, and they, like, hit record, and he sat down and played the song, and they record, that, like, they record everything, and the first take that they recorded is what they put on the album. Wow. Like, he he was, like, you know, 
playing key lines with what he was singing. Everyone else was like doing very simple shit. Mm-hmm. I think T Bone Burnett like initially thought there was gonna be like this big band uprising, but this was like the second playthrough and they recorded it and he came out and was like Don't do anything else. We're done, let's go listen to it. Yeah. And that was that. Yeah. Sorry, but those sessions are awesome. No, 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 but like these times are a changing arm is my favorite '60s record. I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. Definitely go check that out. Jordan, what's your number one? My number one, Jordan August from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, Jordan August photographer. We're uh, we're we're I'm in a handbone relay and oh uh, at Hammer Relay. uh, We're here in Palmyra, New Jersey. Palmyra, New Jersey. uh, My number one. Is Beach Boys Pet Sounds. Yeah! Whoa, nice. I think that is the best record from the 60s. It has nothing to do with my taste in music, my inspiration, or anything. I think that is the best record from the 60s. It influenced <laughs> some of the best records mm-hmm. of the 60s. I agree with that. It's the best artwork, too. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> yeah. But... They're feeding a goat, right? Or something like that? Yeah. yeah. When you look at, like... So weird. The writing credits, like... What's it What's it feel like to be Brian Wilson? Big bank account? Like, could you imagine... You know, like... Like, you know, like... And, like, I don't know what it's like to be, you know, like, on a level... Like, uh... Publicly, or uh, hey, <laughs> you know, or like, Sorry. or a, you know, on a record label in like a songwriting room, right. <clears throat> where like you know, someone like Beyonce, mm. um, like the last record she put out, she had like ninety plus songwriters. That's fucking. But yeah, there's only insane. there's only like eleven <laughs> tracks on an album, but there's like ninety songwriters. Like this guy writes the bridge. This guy or pop girl, music. Right? <laughs> you know, well, not I mean, early pop music. It's, pop just, music. it's well, like it's not even that. It's, now pop it's like you know, it's like one music. person like writes you know like the whole song, and then that whole song is like taken back. Da, 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 da. Brian Wilson like had a vision, and it, like when you look, if you look at the length, like these songs are two minutes and twenty five, two thirty one, two twenty eight, two fifty three. There's only three songs to go over three minutes. Right. Like, he's not trying to, like, which, like, I, like, actually, I just wrote a new song, and I, I, I intended to write it for Hambone Relay, and then as soon as I opened my mouth, it was just a country song. Right. And it was supposed to be, like, a New Orleans song, and then I opened my mouth, and then it was, it was not <laughs> and then it wasn't. anymore. And I was like, you know what, okay, fuck it, you know, okay, this song's for me, and I played through it again, I recorded it on my phone, like, in its entirety, like, okay, new song for me. And it was like two minutes and 48 seconds. And I was like, oh, I need to write a couple more verses. Mm-hmm. And I was like upset about it. You know, I was like, I, oh, I got this fucking great song. I'm going to send it to my guy. We're going to talk about it. It's, but it's not long enough. But like, look at you know, like, those lenses. I'm yeah. like two minutes and 25 seconds. And I'm saying in that song that I'm talking about, two minutes and 25 seconds is wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice? The classic. The yeah. classic. Not only is it the classic, but it is the opening song of the album. That is like, you could walk down any street in any neighborhood 
and someone is going to be able to like sing you the first four or five lines of that song. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Even if they couldn't get all the lyrics, they could get the melody at least. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. At least get that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So I, you know, this is the hardest decade to do, and I, I still feel good about it because I, I just watched. I, I had already made my list, but I watched this Netflix show. Oh fuck. Is the the grand the canyons? Yeah, and the yeah the canyon. That that the the thing with Tom Petty, Jackson Brown, and um, Jacob Dylan. Yeah, who sings everything like an octave lower than everything. Yeah. (laughs) So we can cut all this out until I find it. But uh, so yeah, so I watched. So I had already made my top ten list, but then last like literally last night, I decided to watch. Echo in the Canyon. That's it. Oh, yeah. Which is a documentary about Laurel Canyon in California in the 60s. Mm. So it was like all about, really, it was all about Brian Wilson and the Mama and the Papas. And it was like, so I learned a lot about what influenced Brian Wilson, Mm -hmm. which was the Beatles, mainly Rubber Soul. But then when this record came out, that influenced the Beatles to do Sgt. Pepper's, which it was really hard for me to not choose Sgt. Pepper's over Magical Mystery Tour, but I think Magical Mystery Tour was <clears throat> like a personal album for those musicians mm-hmm. versus Sgt. Pepper's was like, this is our trippy yeah. you know, album for the people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. It's like, you know, like I, I can't imagine like spending that much money and time as a musician to just like put it on an album because I wanted to do it. Right. Like that's crazy to me. But it's also 2019, so like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're gonna do that. Yeah, let's, let's do, do that. that. Let's do that. Um. So yeah. No, that's my number one. Pet sounds. I stand by it. Boom. Luke. Uh, Luke, Luke, what do you got, Luke, bro? Luke, Luke. <laughs> okay, I feel like Luke. mine's so different because it's so personal, but like what affected music the most in the 60s, which is not the approach I took. But anyway, the my personal. Number one tracks. What's that? Nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> my personal number one is BB King Live at the Regal. Damn. Dude, fuck it, yeah, dude. Yeah, you fan of Duke Jethro is the organ player, or no? He played piano on that record. I have it. Shit, I'm wild. But uh, Damn, what in '62? I think f- recorded in '64. It came out in '65. So I'm saying '65 according to our rules. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just like the exemplar live blues record and guitar playing. I mean, it's a school in guitar playing, absolutely, and performing and live show. Uh, it sounds a lot like Live at the Apollo in the way the continuity and the engagement with the audience and the just perfection of a live show that he had. Yeah. Um, That's a guy who played in that uh, Lucille documentary. Didn't he say he played like fucking almost 280 shows a year or something like that? That sounds right. Yeah, he, he was a workhorse. 290 shows a year? That's insane. BB King used to play the Blue Note like four days a week. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Sorry. He's well, like, yeah. Every so. day I have the blues, dude. Yeah. I have the slim, dude. I love that tune. 
So that's that's my favorite. And I can I mean I've heard it a million times and there's I mean you could spend days just kind of pulling that stuff apart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, simpler language and stuff like that, but well, it's, like, I, it's not even guitar playing it, it's talking. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it, everything he plays just immediately hits the note. Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no filler out, there's no bullshit at all. It's like I'd say the same exact thing about the way you play yeah. though. Oh man! No, <laughs> you know, I'm not comparing you yeah. to BB King or anything. Whoa! Like, like, Love, bro. You know, like, that means so much coming from you, Jordan. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm serious, man. That's such a high compliment, and I really appreciate you sharing. Luke is that, sucking man. Jordan's dick right now. I, <laughs> I really appreciate it. It's but, a 69. I don't know. I think listening to Whoa. him play that that's how he plays, and it's he like it's, should it's we like, should oh. we color commentate? Well, about the dick sucking? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. sorry. Oh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's and his vocal performance, too. I mean, it's oh, yeah. like, I, I'll spend, like, hours, like, worry, worry. There's a line in there that I've spent a long time, like, just trying to get, like, the inflections he has in his voice. And the more I do it, the more I realize it's, like, exactly how he plays and, like, the, yeah. the vibrato and stuff. And, yeah. Hey, um, he doesn't happen to do a 3 o'clock in the morning on that. Uh, that show does he? Nah, Three O'clock Blues is like an earlier one. I love that. Song. One of his earlier records, but it's cool, yeah. Songs. Seeing that when he used, when he played on that record, that must have been like I don't know what that Can't was on. Can't even close my eyes. But he sounds a lot like T Bone Walker, and that's like yeah. his earlier shit. Um, I don't know what years, of, but then he kind of progressed in like settled into himself, which I think comes to like a climax of Live at the Regal, and just the sound of the guitar, and like it's just. Unbelievable whole record, and the band is freaking burning. Hell yeah! BB King, that was like Steve Ray Vaughan and BB King is what I grew up on. Same as yeah. a guitar player. Same, and I was never able to play like either one of them, and. I'm an instant gratification kind of human. And <laughs> right. I got so frustrated. Right. And I was like, fuck that. Ugh. So right. I was like, I'm going to play Incubus. And like, <laughs> that's, that's cooler, though. An man. alternative rock cooler. shit. Cooler? You know? I, yeah. I was like, cooler. It was, I mean, like, it's like, it was cool then, but like, it's not doing any good for me now. You but know. you sound like Jordan August, and that's why I mean, it's cool. Now I sound What's like it? what yeah. I sound like. You sound like yourself. Yeah. I sound like myself, but like I wasn't able to like play like those guys. Like I couldn't take leads at all. I was like chords, and I think it's because I was I was always like a songwriter. Yeah, I was like an alternative rock. Like that's what I could do. Like these big right. bar chords and these weird like drop D tunings and all these like weird things. I could write songs like that, and then I was like done with that at one point and then I went back I reverted back mm-hmm. to like listening to like BB King's or Steve Ray Vaughan I had to like relearn how to it's play it's cool when guitar. you go back and you get re- yeah, like reacquainted like at you're like knew, holy shit I knew the neck of my guitar yeah you know? I at least had that yeah yeah, yeah 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 and then just had to like learn notes again and it was like a whole start over <laughs> I was kind of the same way I mean some of the he, he plays some stuff in here there's a lot of like I don't know, jazzier licks or whatever, like you would like that he kind of plays. And I remember when I first started, I still like shed some of the. I'm like, I don't really know exactly what he's doing. I know the vibe is like this, but yeah, when I first started, I was like, just give me some like 
balls out like distorted like sustainy like yeah, I don't know wild like hard like hard BB King like which is like that's why I loved Hendrix's shit because his shit was fucking right. wild right. and I love the wild shit like, yeah. like well, insane was like, was like pedal driven yeah 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 he was like pedal driven but BB King was like his amp was turned up super loud yeah but he like turned his guitar down all the way yeah and like he very suddenly like turned the guitar up yeah and certain recordings he was just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just like fucking hit it. And it's also so gospel uh come he comes from such a gospel background. Another one that I omitted was BB King Sing Spirituals, and that was like three years. That record. Oh, it's awesome. That was in Rolling Stones top ten. Or oh really? Top one hundred or top Oh it's phenomenal. Top 50 or so whatever. Good. That was the BB King record that popped up in Rolling Stone. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so should we do our honorable, uh, honorable mentions? <laughs> Dewey uh, White Label presents Mark Doers. Brown's... Uh, Doers White Dewey. Label presents Mark Brown's honorable mentions. Here, here they are. <laughs> How many are we doing? Two or three? Uh, I got I got four, but I'll... I'll do, all four. do all four. Do, do as many as you want. Plus, you do all four. No more than five, though. No more than five. I can do four. All right, so I got, I got, I got four. I got the band. I got the band. The band. Right. Okay. We always talk about that. I got, I got Grand Funk on time. You know that record? It's a good record. Uh, TNUC Into the Sun. That's my shit, bro. That's a good record. Um, Not as good as their live stuff, but it's not my. I got Abbey Road. 68, 69, and Electric Lady Land. Those, nice. those are my four nice. honorable mentions. All right, here's Rob Tate's three honorable mentions. Dave <laughs> Von Ronk, folk hey. singer. Dude. Don't you leave, don't you leave. I know, Don't you dude. leave me here. I love Dave Van Dave. Ronk, dude. <laughs> Dave. I'm with you, bro. Come on. <laughs> so, so can I tell you something? <laughs> don't you leave, don't you leave. Um, don't you leave me this, here. This singer... And it's fuck y'all. This, this guy, this guy is like one of my new favorite like folk singers of all time. Uh, my second He's honorable shit, mention, motherfucker. honorable mention is Sam Cooke's "Ain't That the Good Times." Wait. Life times. I can't handwriting. Yeah. Great. It's great. And number three is Simon and Garfunkel's "Bookends" album. Oh, shit. I thought you were gonna say that oh, in your shit. top. Well, no. Here's why. Here's why I. Here's wait. No, hold on. Here's why I omitted it is because. There are a few songs in there I fucking love personally. I couldn't, in good conscience, put them in the top ten yeah, of the right, '60s. Hey, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Paul Simon is one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Oh, you just um, wait till the '70s. Come uh, baby. watch yourself, Graceland. Oh, baby, um, oh, that's number one ever. <laughs> it's not, but you can pretend. So, uh, it is, but anyway, but so that's my cute. last honorable mention. Whoa. Go ahead, go ahead Whoa. buddy. Um, I love Rob Tate. Um, I love Jordan Arcus. I have. I have four up honorable mentions. <laughs> honorable mentions. Why is that word coming so hard? I feel like I've only drunk one here. Um, Sam Cooke, Nightbeat. Yep. Fuck yeah. James Brown, Live the Apollo. Fuck yeah. Nina Simone, I put a spell on you. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Fucking Fuck yeah. so Fuck hard yeah. to not like put into the top ten. Like it, it seriously, it almost was my number ten. I almost like cut Johnny Cash. Ooh. But as a songwriter 
And for all the songwriters, I mean, I think Johnny Cash is a little more sure. influential. And then the Beatles, Sgt. Peppers. Here, before, before Luke goes, I forgot to mention um, Coltrane's Giant Steps and Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde. Okay. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, since we can say a couple, I would probably say both the Hendrix ones, too. Axis Builders Love and Are You Experienced? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh... The Natural Blues, which is Taj Mahal record. Yeah, I know that one. Oh, that's uh, fucking cut, dude. Yeah. Fuck. First time I heard She Caught the Katie was on the Blues Brothers. Dude. And I fucking she loved this She Caught the Katie. Oh, it's so good, man. Yeah, the blues. Right. Some of this video that survives must sing that shit. She Caught the Katie. <laughs> the honorable mentions are not making it into recording. <laughs> oh, no, they are. Oh, yes, they are. If you've made I'm not any shit, dude. If you've made it this far into the recording, God bless you. Uh, Hambone really owns you a pitcher of ice cream. Somewhere, know. somewhere, eventually there, there's going to be a video posted of Luke and I saying, "No, no, we'll she got the Katie." That was the Charlottesville it's Luke night, dude. <laughs> Email that to me. <laughs> Go ahead, Luke. What else Sorry. you got? And the other one would be. The- Self-titled Taj Mahal record. Taj Mahal. Fuck yeah, dude. It's like leaving trunk on there. States for blues, which obviously is the. What's the uh, What's the the Taj Mahal record that with further on off the road? Yeah. Uh, that might be Natural Blues. I have it on. I have it on vinyl. It's like it's like a double record. He plays like spoons on like half the. Oh yeah, we were talking about that. There's like four tracks where he's just like playing spoons and like singing. I think no Luke one. has the the tastiest selections of the I top agree. ten. It's like, well, it's real selfish. Yeah. It's yeah. Certain, Luke's certainly top mine. Are fucking tasty. <laughs> Agreed. But uh, yeah, that's 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 what I got. I still think mine are better, but I think. <laughs> oh! We <laughs> oh! fight in the parking lot. Okay, so guys, do me a favor. Go follow Hambone Relay on Instagram and on Facebook. We really appreciate it. We got a bunch of new shows happening. On uh, this Friday, we'll be playing Phoenixville at the Sound Bank. And on Saturday, we're playing Time in Philadelphia, PA. And then on the next Saturday, we're playing, oh my God, I can't remember. Because we're playing Sollies in D.C. That's where it is. Come hang out with us. A few members of um, Surprise, uh, Surprise Attack are going to come hang- sit in with us. Uh, unfortunately, they're breaking up, but come hang out with us anyway. It's they're going to be sitting show. in. It's a free show. It's a free show. Is it a free show? It's a free show. It's a free show. We're numerous sets. Right, all the jams, and, and, and the bass player and percussionist from Surprise Attack are playing a whole set with us. Oh, I didn't know that. Neither did I. It's happening, bro. We'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Player. This is this is honestly the first time that Mark Brown has mentioned it. So I'm surprised. The, the bassless player band has now has a bass player. Um, and then the week after, we're playing uh, Charlottesville, VA, in, at the Whiskey Jar, playing the music of the band. Um, and, and uh, please come visit us and say hi. And then it'll be Christmas time, so we will be not playing any shows. But Melikalik and Makai and Wiley. The same. We'll see you in the new year, bitch. Bye. Shabbat shalom.